You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about CW's Batwoman. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So first up, grab an oar, help this man get off the rocks, and that is my buddy, James. James, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. And how? Uh, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on the show? Um, I contracted some sort of illness, uh, just like a severe cold I've had since like Tuesday of this week. Um, and I'm finally like over the hump of it. Um, so now I'm just like stuffed up. That's it. But, uh, other than that, this isn't nothing... a COVID variant, is it? No, no. And that was the fear is like, I, I started getting sick and I was just like sore throat check low fever check i don't like this and so my doc was just like well you got to go get a covid test whether you've been vaccinated or not and i was like okay Mm -hmm. so i went and got the covid test and uh well and then apparently nobody told me i had to sign a release of my own information for them to call me so they were only going to call my doctor and my doctor isn't open on the weekends so i was like well i would like to know before monday like if i do or don't um so yeah i had like the mad dash to like get it all into him and just for a simple nope you're good and i was just like all right cool thanks i'm glad that is good to hear because yeah i mean with all the variants and everything like breakthroughs on people who are vaccinated are you know are happening you know uh uh, more significantly than with the regular virus so yeah yeah for sure well i'm sorry to hear that you've got uh you've got something but uh Hey, it's all right. I'll just burn whatever this is. I know I can kill it with whiskey. So (laughs) (laughs) So what are you drinking today? Uh, A little bit of Irish coffee. All right. uh, Yeah. Just some good old whiskey and a cup of coffee. So pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. right. You don't have it's like provenance and everything like like ready to tell me about what part of Ireland it came from. Oh, no. This is this is Jameson cold brew uh, whiskey. (laughs) So it's literally a coffee based whiskey that they made. Nice. Nice. All right. And was there any whiskey in Batwoman this season that you can tell us about? Uh, you know, there is whiskey in, uh, in, in in Batwoman, but it's always in a decanter. Mm-hmm. So it's always like they've already poured it from something. And then she had a bottle of vodka, but I don't care that much about vodka. So I didn't really try to get into it. But Right. No, I know. I just I just know that if a label flashes on the screen, you can identify it for us. It's true. So I will find out sure if it is real or fictional and <laughs> whether or not I can get my hands on it. <laughs> right. Because there is a bar involved in this show. So it's know, true. Odds are it's always true. high. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's great having you back on the show, James. Always good to be back. 
All right. And next up, hailing from the Arrowverse is our resident DC expert. And that is the clever Cammie and Ray. Cammie, welcome back to the 42 cast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be talking about Batwoman. And after hearing James saga, I'm so excited to not be ill. Well, that's good. <laughs> anything, because uh, you've been with us recently talking about Black Widow. Uh, anything, uh, anything new and exciting happened since then? You know, I've been pumped seeing a lot of con announcements recently. Mm. I'm excited about Dragon Con coming up. There's some Arrowverse cast that's going to be there. So while San Diego Comic Con did not uh, occur in the same fashion this year, I think we're about to enter a season where we're going to be getting a lot of our in-person fandom stuff back. And I'm very pumped about that these days. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be nice. I can't make it to Dragon Con this year, but Chicago TARDIS, which is what I call my home convention, is mm -hmm. happening. So in November, I'll have that. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Oh, yay. Yeah. All right. Well, it is great having you back on the show, Cammie. Thanks for having me. And finally, he is the man that you love to hate, and that is the recalcitrant Ryan Guthrie. Ryan, how are you been doing? No one hates me. I'm lovable. I'm a Disney character. I mean, what, what is you're on the wrong nonsense? podcast. Yeah. You mean you're a Looney Tune? Either way, lovable. You okay. know? I mean, who doesn't love Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd? Okay. And I'm like, if you took the two of them combined, that's are you me. more of like a Pepe Le Pew? I'm a, um, hey, you know, he's, no, we don't, we don't talk about Pepe Le Pew anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm more a uh, grandma, you know, <laughs> I'll go with that. Yeah. Hey, granny. Yeah. Granny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, what's been going on for you, Ryan? Uh, nothing much. Just, you know, making it one day at a time and trying to just navigate this weird, weird world we're in, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah you're going to be a dragon con, right? You know, <laughs> I'd say it's a coin flip right now. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna still? make still. Yes, it's, it's I mean, only like a, like four or five weeks away. I'm going to make a final decision uh, on by August first. But okay. my group, my group is just down to me. Everyone else in my group has bailed, uh, basically. Oh. So it's like. So do you have a room already reserved? Yes. Uh, but you're gonna but, have to pay know, full price because it's just you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I could. I don't know, figure something out. And, 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 and you can honestly, just post on the Dragon Con Facebook group, hey, I've got a room. Who wants to join me? And I'm sure you'll get some takers. I know for a fact I would. You know? But uh, yeah, I mean, it, but the thing is, I'm, I'm like, I'm so, you know, craving fandom that even if it was just that uh, and, uh, being there and paying for them by myself, I'd be like, yeah, fine, I'll do it, whatever. It's just worth it to get back to Dragon Con just to get back into it. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a little paranoid just watching stuff, you know? So uh, right now, like, I think the last time we talked about it, I said I was at, you've watched this decline. I was at 75% I'm going. Then I was at 60% I'm going. Now I'm around 50. So I, I don't know. It's a coin flip. But uh, okay. I would really like to. I, I don't, but by August 1st, it's like, you know, blank or get off the pot. So, yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, right. Yeah, no, I mean, Dragon Con's a big Petri dish. I mean, that's the thing. It is. It really <laughs> you know? is. And that's why, like, I can't take my, my, like, my wife would kill me if I went without her, and then that means the kids are coming, and it's like, yeah, I've got a 10-year-old who can't be vaccinated. You know, she's not old enough to get the yeah. vaccination, so it's, like, not going, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just whatever you know like if the zombie apocalypse does break out it's going to be at dragon con one way or the other so <laughs> you know maybe i want to be there at, at ground zero maybe that's the way to do it you know so yeah, we'll All see right. yeah. 
Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Ryan. It's good to be back. Despite despite your your hatred of all that is good and pure in the world. It's not hatred. It's scientific, rational thought. <laughs> you know? <laughs> nice all right so uh next up is our five minute controversy and um this week it's maybe kind of a minor one but i'm just gonna kind of pull people for opinions because ryan and i kind of had to have a bet on this one um an informal bet so uh what i wanted to talk about is marvel has declared that there's you know because we've been kind of used to you know, Stanley, even if he isn't present in a movie or a TV show, there will be posters that have him. They'll throw in some Easter egg. And Marvel's kind of said they're done now. Like, you know, even though there's some material that they have that has never been seen before, whether it's audio clips or whatever, and, you know, they could put his image in places. You know, I don't think anyone really wants a CG Stanley. I think that's just a little creepy. Um, although I have seen people online suggest that from time to time, and I'm always like, yeah, um, but they basically said no. I mean, they're done. Um, they would find it, you know, somewhat disrespectful to uh, to put that in. And so I'm just kind of curious what people think about that. Do you think that, you know, especially with Fantastic Four coming, which is the big breakout hit, you know, that he created, you know, that that not allowing him to be represented in any way, you know, visually on the screen is is a bad thing, or do you think it's a good thing to just, you know, pull these and and you know he's passed you know, we, we just have to move on. Um, so let's start with you on this one, Ryan. Uh, okay, so in general, I, I kind of feel like maybe it is the best thing to just put it behind us. But on the other hand, like you said, Fantastic Four is coming up and it is Stanley. I feel like it's one of those things where it's a tradition they've created and they should probably, uh, you know, continue it, propagate it somehow forward. I know this, this came about because... Um, the Simpsons did a little short, um, The Good, The Bart, and The Loki, and they had unused voice recordings of Stan Lee, and they're like, hey, we can put this in. And then, you know, from on high, the voice said, no, we're not doing that anymore. And um, so I was thinking, I've heard people say like, oh, we'll just put Deadpool in everything now. And then no, 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 no. I'm a thousand times no on that. But like, I guess some of the feeling is, is if they can continue it in the same spirit, and I don't know that it does. I don't know about CG because I agree with you. Even even his appearance in Endgame just felt a little off to me. Even though that was an actual, uh, he'd mm -hmm. been DH or whatever. But even that was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, so I would, I go back and forth on this. I honestly feel like if it can be done right, do it. But I don't think they can do it right every time. And if they can't do it right every time, don't do it. So my general feeling on the matter is. Oh, well, we're going to find something new, some other new Easter egg or some other new thing. But it's not going to be Stanley. It's not going to be a cameo by one person. Unless the only person I would accept, and this just not came to me, is uh, uh, Feige. I would honestly be cool with having him in uh, okay. every, you know, just like almost like a Hitchcock type appearance um, in every uh, Marvel MCU movie going forward. I think he's earned it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've said Roy Thomas before because he took over all of Stan's books as Stan left them in the 60s. And so he's as associated with all of those characters as Stan is. But the fact of the matter is he's not, he doesn't have the presence that no. Stan has. He doesn't have that showman kind of style to him. So I don't know if like that would even matter to anyone or anyone would even like care. But I've, I've kind of felt like, you know, give Roy his due. Um, cause he was actually, he actually did more creative, you know, creative stuff for Marvel, like over a, a 30 years <laughs> than, you know, stand as far as like just volume of, of work. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, Cammy, what do you think? 
I definitely agree with the decision because here's here's how I see this playing out. This is what, in my perhaps negative opinion, would happen if they didn't make this choice now because they're delineating the choice and it's a bit of a fuzzy line as now that he has passed and is not necessarily filming anything new, nothing new is going to be added. You mentioned a few examples of, okay, footage that was filmed and it's airing, you know, post-death, whatever, but that that becomes a bit of a fuzzy line. We're defining that in the way they have right now, saying we're not going to let this peter out a little bit longer, because here's what I think would have kind of negatively happened had they not made the choice now upon his death. They would have continued to do this for a few more movies, maybe a few more years, and then it would become this kind of awkward thing where you'd have other names in the mix who could perhaps be, you know, have a cameo saga in this way. You have new blood in there. You have new characters that he wasn't as heavily a part of, or perhaps wasn't even a part of at all. And they have movies centered around them. So it becomes a matter of what's going to be the first movie without a Stanley cameo. And that no longer is defined by his point of passing. That's defined by the point where people don't, I hate to put it this way, but care enough to do so. And that would feel so negative to me. That would be really difficult to watch that moment, that line be defined that way. I'd rather it be defined at his point of passing because it does have to be defined somewhere. It won't continue forever. They will not be able to continue to do this in a good way or at all forever. So we may as well define it now while we still want more. All right, and James? Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I think, I think all the points have kind of been made, um, and and I agree. I, I don't think, I don't think there's a good way to make it consistent enough to continue it on. Um, and while it is sad, um, at the same time, it's you know, I, I'm okay with. There's no longer a Stanley cameo. That's always going to be in the back of my head, sure. With any future Marvel movie, where I'm like. Oh, you know, I miss a Stan Lee cameo, um, but it's not enough of a thing for me to miss for me to be like, yeah, shoehorn shoehorn this in there somewhere. Um, because as said, like if they can't do it in a smart way, in a good way, that is really truly honorable to his memory and doesn't feel just exactly that shoehorned in somewhere. You're you're running a big gambit, and and nobody nobody likes hit hit and miss. Nobody wants to have a consistency of like, oh, well, like this movie did the, you know, they kind of made it really well. And then this movie, well, they didn't kind of do it. And then that's, that becomes the focus. Like we're not even focusing on what the movie is itself. Now we're just focusing on, well, was the Stan Lee cameo on point or not? Um, which right. really does it's, take away. It's Marvel, not DC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I come down on this, um, I think in the same way that uh, you and Cami are because I just, I just feel like now that he's there, that he's gone, it's just, just move on because while I loved some of those cameos, and it was funny because you know Stan had been doing cameos before Marvel Studios like was making their own movies when the characters were licensed out, he would appear, and I was starting to get kind of sick of them. 
up to a point and then like suddenly there was like a couple towards the end of when other companies were making them like i think like it was amazing spider-man that had the one where he was the librarian that had the headphones on and he didn't notice anything that was going on while this fight was going on around him and i was like oh my god like the stan lee cameo is like good again like it's actually like fun and and for then you know marvel was doing the cameos with him too and there was like the one in the avengers where he's like superheroes in new york like that's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard and again i was like oh my god that's funny and then i kind of like was back into the stan lee cameos but it's like yeah now that he's gone it's like he's not going to get a kick out of it he's dead you know so it's like i mean i think that was more of the thing of honoring him but also like allowing him to like insert himself into these properties and just kind of be like hey you made all this stuff you want to have some fun, you know, like, like being part of it in the movies too. And, you know, he was happy to do that. And now it's like, it's, it's over. And so I don't really see the point anymore other than to give people like a sort of nostalgic feeling that I feel like you can still get from just watching the ones that he did make and do. So I don't, I don't really see the point in doing it. So um, that's, that's why I would, you know, come down that way. Like I say, if they want to honor other creators that are associated with properties, like, Hey, like, um, you know, uh, uh, and and God, I just lost his name. But um, when they did the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck, they had, um, why am I forgetting his name? He's, he's the huge guy associated with Daredevil. He didn't Frank create Miller. him, but had the big run. Um, Miller? Miller, thank you, Frank Miller. Yeah, so Frank Miller, uh, you know, was in the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck, you know, small little cameo type thing. You know, if they want to do that for other creatives, that's fine you know case by case whatever if the director I mean, wants it but um what's his name uh was in either civil war or civil war i think uh the winter soldier creator whose name is uh no, brubaker is that right it, i i don't know is it a <laughs> i think it's see, i was after i stopped so, reading comics I so i don't like know anything yeah. about like you know yeah. like the stuff from the 2000s in comics yeah, but yeah no, he was like, i think he's like one of the scientists experimenting oh okay you know, yeah yeah you know like you do yeah but so i'm just saying you can honor other creators and use the opportunities to do that too and that's not bad either so i mean you know well we'll see what they do um but uh but yeah so that's the five minute controversy um i was right ryan <laughs> i had Nobody no really strong it. feelings on it you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i mean i think it's it, people will miss it but no one's like yeah, you know, right. <laughs> no one's gonna fight uh, for it, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So um, now we're going to go on to talk to our main topic. But before we do that, we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. And welcome to Cigar Nerd Summer. It's hot outside. Time to fire up the grill and, of course, fire up some stogies. You know, the beaches are open and movies are back. So now we're going to be coming at you with brand new movies and also brand new cigars so break out your tank tops fire up the grill lay out your beach blanket and make us your summer destination cigarnerdpodcast.com also on the ESO network at esonetwork.com welcome to Dr. Geek's laboratory Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO network is pro science and pro vaccine we urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today.
And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we are talking about season two of Batwoman. And um, Cammy, since you weren't with us when we talked about season one, I am curious to know how you felt about the show and about how you felt about Ruby Rose's performance as Kate Kane. So if you just give us like a little bit of just like your overview of, of how you felt about that. Loved the show and I loved with a capital L Ruby Rose's performance as Kate Kane. I, as, as soon as she was leaving, I took the position of, oh, the show's over. Like they can continue something else, but it's not Batwoman because she was a fantastic Batwoman. I'm okay with it being a short-lived show, but just this idea of either recasting her, which eventually they did, but that mm -hmm. wasn't the initial situation or doing a new Batwoman, I wasn't originally in love with. Now, mm. I didn't hate it. I wasn't throwing a little kid tantrum and stomping my feet, but known to do that, but didn't do that here. I was like, I'll watch it, but mm, you know, it's not going to be quite as good. And, you know, we're, we'll talk about my reaction to season two. It ended up being a little bit more middle ground, mm. but I really, really truly enjoyed season one. There were a few complaints I had about season one that were not unique to Batwoman. It mm. was complaints I had about all of the Arrowverse shows and Batwoman was kind of getting roped into that. So compatibility with crossovers was sometimes touch and go. I felt that the tone of Batwoman didn't lend itself well to merging with a show like Flash or Legends, for example. Mm. Um, the way they were handling um, romance, the way they were handling sometimes the way they wove in um, I guess I'll say like social justice issues in season one was just not very uh, nuanced. So I always, I often found myself for that, for Supergirl, for many other shows in a position where I'm like, I agree with you, but I really just wish you'd be less heavy handed with it here. Like, can we have some subtlety? That was kind of a complaint I had, but overall was very engaged, very much on board with Ruby Rose and was not open to a new Batwoman this season, but we'll see where I landed there. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good because yeah i mean yeah i mean we talked about the same stuff as far as like the romances and the will they and won't they with sophie and just being like i am so over this trope you know mm -hmm. like we we don't need this like you right. know it, it doesn't it doesn't really add anything it's just the dorama that right. w likes to have on their show so a shocker a, a vigilante in love with a cop whatever will we do <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, and meanwhile, we have Julia there, who's the way more awesome character anyway. Uh, Strongly agree. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about the, the the big elephant in the room, which is the recast, mm -hmm. um, where we have uh, Javicia Leslie joining the cast as, as Ryan Wilder, who was a new character that they invented for the show that is now getting worked into the DC comics, you know, as far as a character that they, that they have in there. But originally there was not, a character like that in in dc comics um so uh yeah she came in and took over and i was team recast actually um when when this question came up and we talked about it we they had already said that they weren't going to recast and so i knew it was a moot point but i was like why wouldn't you just recast because i i felt like the relationships the show had been so central to kate kane as a character 
that I was like, when you've got her dad there, you've got her ex-girlfriend there, you've got uh, the company that is her cousin's company, and her sister is the main antagonist. I'm like, how in the world do you then say, we're not making it about her anymore. It's about this other character. And so that, that, well, those, were, those were fears that I had going into this season. So why don't you start us off on this one too, Cammie? Why don't you say like what, how you felt about, you know, um, I'm Ryan and and how they've sort of worked the show so that it is now that doesn't have to be about Kate. Yeah, I I I like the fact that they didn't have her immediate recast enter until much later in the season. I think that was smart. Just give us some time to not see Batwoman and be able to see Ryan in the space as Batwoman and build her as a unique character. Mm. I felt that there were some stumbling blocks on the way to making Ryan Batwoman, but I was willing to go through those stumbling blocks in order to get her as Batwoman because ultimately the story ended up being engaging, entertaining, different than season one so that's a positive then new and original and she becomes a really interesting fascinating character it's just difficult that we have to you know it's like switching schools in the middle of high school or something like that you know like you just kind of got into your pace you just got your dynamics everybody just figured out how to be seen partners to each other and you got to start all over and so i'm in a position where i'm watching a season two and i want a little bit more of that automaticity and you just don't get it but i'm willing to kind of give her that grace at the same time as also giving her the grace that when they are doing things that are a little cliche or a little bit superhero trope-esque, I remind myself, you know, we've been through Flash and Arrow and Legends and all of that just in recent years where tons of male superheroes and other superhero, female superheroes as well were given the opportunity to go through their tropes and go through their development. Mm. So while it may be tedious to do it twice in one show for the same hero kind of consecutive was, years too yeah for consecutive years it was worth it i wish perhaps we had had a chance to have two seasons of ruby rose as batwoman mm. and then get two seasons of ryan as batwoman and have just two complete sets of stories there i think that would have made this transition a little more seamless because we would have gotten that automaticity that comes in season two with the first one and would have been ready for something fresh in season two i i realized that wasn't possible they couldn't get that you know contract to work out but had that happened i think we would have had less of a struggle here in the beginning I would have at least liked them to finish out the three episodes that they were going to have that didn't get made with Ruby Rose and then yeah. do a new storyline because it felt just weird on top of the whole like, oh no, imposter Bruce Wayne to then be like, oh wait, now our main character isn't someone connected to Bruce Wayne. So let's like kill him off right away. And it was just like, this was set up as like the big thing that was going to be like, you know, like a, like a big major thing for the rest of the season. And then it was just like, yeah, now we get rid of it. Yeah. I, I'm curious if you guys have a different take on this, but for me personally, so I'm, I'm, you know, kind of a backseat driver when it comes mm -hmm. to writing, I will happily critique writing that I have no business critiquing because, you know, what do I know that they don't, but I'll do it anyways. And with this, I don't have any critique and I have not heard any good critique where they're saying what they would want the writing to do differently with this, that is not attached to a contract change. So like what you were 
saying and what I'm saying is basically like we want more of Ruby Rose uh, just a little bit longer so we can make this transition a little more seamless and we can mm-hmm. get there. I'm I'm curious to hear whether there's a critique with what was done this season that doesn't necessitate access to a character or actor that we don't have. Mm. Ooh, that's that's a rough one just because so much I think of the season is dominated by the lack of Ruby Rose mm-hmm. and so many of the creative choices were so I'm not sure where to even like separate other than in the very beginning like where to separate like what was a decision made because Ruby Rose left and what was something that they would have done anyway so mm-hmm. it's kind of I think that's kind of murky um, mm-hmm. but yeah I mean Ryan or James do you guys have anything on that? I, I think any critique you can make of what replacing uh, Ruby Rose did would be how other characters reacted, obviously. And I do feel um, that by and large, everyone made it through with the exception of Alice. I feel like uh, they complete, I don't think this was where they were going with Alice at all. Right. And, and yeah, that, that you can, I think that would be fair to critique. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, um, just in regards to, oh, we would like to do more, but we can't because, you know, contract, because someone's not coming back and don't, doesn't want to, whatever. Uh, that's, I think that's the only thing that's really fair game. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is I have no idea if they were planning on getting rid of Julia anyway, but I thought that came out of left field and was really like I expected it to be addressed later in the season like, oh, she was like hypnotized and she's over here and we need to get Julia back. It's just like, no, we just kind of forgot (laughs) that she was ever a character on this show. Okay. I, I, you know she was nice she was okay but yeah. right but again it might have been an actress like maybe she got another gig yeah. I, don't, I don't know i didn't check out like her imdb to see if she got another gig and maybe that was her decision and she's just like i'm out uh, i'll film like some scenes to make a transition so that her character doesn't just disappear but i i don't know like whether that was a contract it's, thing or it's not. her new series on cw next season in the, D, in the you know in the cw verse in the era verse yeah, yeah getting her on spinoff. <laughs> honestly if they were just going to take like any like side character and give her her own show i mean like julia's not a bad choice mm-hmm. she's kind of awesome yeah. like so, a spy thriller yeah yeah that. like a spy yeah. thriller cw arrowverse show i think that could work but, i mean yeah. i i'm i'm still kind of annoyed that i don't have my uh my uh, green arrow and the canaries uh spinoff even though i yeah. wasn't too happy with that pilot episode i You're really off. really like uh Catherine mcnamara as uh as as oliver's you know daughter and i really wanted to see more with her so um but yeah um so yeah though uh the but the but the change um so ryan um our transition to ryan as the new character ryan our transition to ryan as the new character <laughs> like how did you how do you feel about that how do you feel about javicia as as batwoman you know as the new yeah. as the new character well ryan will now speak on ryan um uh, you, you know, from an acting standpoint, I absolutely think she was fine. Uh, I think I feel like um, obviously everything was stacked against her. Uh, the, she, there, this was just a situation where no one wanted it, and like you're the replacement. As a matter of fact, of all the things we said that um, in, in our season one podcast that they could do, recast, replace, and I think I it, it was me or someone else even said they should have just have. Um, Kate go after Bruce. They even pulled that out. I know, I know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. You know, like, they, that's the thing we said. Yeah. It's like it's like they went from no, this is what we're doing to covering their bases by having 
by doing everything. But right. um Right, but the thing was and the reason I was so against that in our season one was because I was thinking it would have to be like episode one of season two. Kate goes off for some random reason to find Bruce and I'm like that feels so weird when Alice is such a clear and present danger for her. And especially if we established her as the paragon yeah. of courage. It's like, oh so the paragon of courage runs away. Like <laughs> that doesn't mean anything like like what is that? Like they ran away exactly. courageously. How dare you? <laughs> so they probably transition that as best they could by making that happen at the end of the season uh, yeah, when things are fairly true. good that's you know. true and that's yeah. what i'm saying i feel like they made some pretty strong creative choices considering the situation they were in um admittedly for you know a dc show on the cw the bar is pretty low but uh i still feel like they did pretty well with it um they they brought in this new character i, I i'm not familiar with the comics i don't know how true this is to any particular character in in the comics but uh I've, i honestly found it 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 honestly brought a little bit of a of um i feel like season two i probably would have just kind of coasted along barely paying attention watching it but not really being into it but now that there's this new situation this new batwoman i had to pay more attention i had to see where this is going i had to see if she would work i had to see if i was gonna even bother with it and i felt like it was a little bit weak on the first half of the season because they were establishing her but on the back half of the season uh it paid off and they finally found a good rhythm and i feel like yeah they did all right with it okay james um yeah um just saying cw first question you should be asking your actors that you want to bring in for a role is uh are you allergic to latex that should be like the top <laughs> priority of your question is that like not on the application was that not a box that people had to check where did that get dropped in hr i don't understand i know i just i just read the story from ruby rose uh mm -hmm. on the radio station she's like yeah i just have a horrible allergy to latex and it was just like how first there, there, there's two sides of responsibility. Somebody should have a asked B you should have probably also been the person to be like, Hey, um, superheroes tend to wear latex. Is that going to be an issue? Well, to be fair. And so this is, this is where I'm going to be fair to her, James, the more you're exposed, the worse it gets. Oh yeah. So no, it's something that she might've just been like, like she might not a have been aware of it. Cause any reaction she had in the past were, were so mild. She didn't, wasn't aware of it or B um, she thought she could handle whatever reaction she's had in the past. And just right. as the year went on and she broke out worse and worse and worse every time and probably Fair. used whatever product she could find. And those weren't like helping as much and that, that she just got to the point where she was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, no, no. And I totally get that. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it all like, uh, as, as we just talked about, I didn't really have a lot of issues with Ruby Rose coming into season two with a new actress is jostling. Um, incredibly so because as as you've made the point already there were like three episodes that were supposed to be there that just didn't end up being there um so it turned into a i'm sure crisis situation in the writer's room of like okay well how do we write around this now um do i think the way that they wrote it was bad initially I wasn't thrilled with the idea. Um, kind of like Ryan was saying, that first half of this season, I didn't feel was the strongest half of the season, so much so that I got through the first half of the season and then I just stopped watching. Not because I didn't want to finish it, but I just wasn't motivated to finish it. I was just like, God, if this is the, if this is how the rest of the season is going to go, I don't have a lot of faith. Like I will, 
I will hate watch it, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. And yeah, yeah, not- my wife was telling me that like, she didn't want to watch it because we usually watch these shows together and she was getting to a point where she was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And I was like, look, Diggle's coming. Okay. Right. We got- <laughs> of course I thought that was going to be more significant than it ended up being, but I was like, Diggle's coming. We, we've got, we've got to hold on for dig but anyway sorry well it's one of those where i was just like and it wasn't it wasn't the acting that was the problem um Mm. i want to make sure that that is that is like on the forefront of of my opinion here is like i didn't have a problem with her stepping into the shoes as the new batwoman um i think her story is an interesting story for sure um i think it's very much the trope of why does every bat character have to be a tragic bat character like you know it's bruce's parents died batwoman it's you know um she's had a miserable existence trying to like live with her identity as a lesbian and simultaneously also be like batman and lose everybody close to her um you know situations like that and so it's like a other situation um, and then the perpetuation of how that came down where it's like, oh, but Alice is the one who done it. And it's just like, OK, well, we found a way to tie her into Alice. OK, mm-hmm. so then it turned into the revenge trope and all that kind of stuff. Alice, I very much felt like just as was said, like this wasn't what her story was supposed to be for this season, like coming off of season one. I see so many opportunities that they could have had to continue to grow between the relationship of her and Kate um, and the dynamic of that. Um, I didn't necessarily mind the shift. I thought it was an interesting choice. Um, Again, the payoff comes much later with her um, and that story. So again, that second half of this season it just takes off it gets really good it gets really interesting they start like i love the little easter eggs of characters that they they dump in there and they're like oh there's enigma and i didn't make the connection right away and then they're like oh her name's evelyn enigma and i went no what (laughs) the riddler got lucky and had a kid what (laughs) um and so uh like i thought that was really great to tie in and it just Mm -hmm. it made me like really excited and then it made me really unexcited how very nonchalantly and unexcitedly she's just eliminated and i was like well not what i would expect from the child of the riddler but okay okay then (laughs) um but yeah like i overall the back end of the season was good um i was happy with her performance overall i think um i think the character it'll be interesting to see where they go with her forward for season three because my understanding is season three is it and there is no continuation beyond don't believe anything that you read on we got this i know that that has gone around but there is no reputable source that has reported that that is a that is a rumor and that is one of those things where you know certain people yeah. have problems with certain shows that are, or, or movies that have certain representations and they like to spread the rumor that it's over like like it's, it's like the rumor that they're saying they're going to replace the star wars sequels with like a rebooted set of seven episodes right. seven eight nine because of how people didn't like how seven eight nine actually went and they want to spread that rumor but there is no basis in any reality where it's right. real well, so, and, and I, I hope that's not the choice. case. I would really like to see them explore more of this character. Unfortunately, the CW does have a, a, a penchant um, for getting into, um, you know, shortened. Uh, but again, Legends of Tomorrow is still going. So 
Right. I know you're right. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Anything's yeah, I possible. mean, it almost seemed because because the whole reason Black Lightning was canceled was that their lead wanted out, and so that's the or that would still be going on, I think too. So no, I think they've shown more of a of a case of as long as the stars want to do this, and, and Arrow was only canceled because Amel wanted out. I'm sure if Amel was like, I can do five more seasons, they would have been like, sure, buddy, let's yeah. just keep on making Arrow. So well, and I know with the I, rumor I mill out there, that's that's what potentially fans are, are looking at depending on what grant gustin's choices are with the flash lately is like right again and, when when the star gets to the point that they're like i don't really want to do this like i kind of want to go be an actor and i don't right. know as other soon things. as gustin started floating that season eight might be his last suddenly like all the word on the internet started being like oh no flash could go on forever like you know stuff so i think like a few truckloads of cash showed up at his yard and like, started dumping it in there so and he's been quiet ever since. like because this was a while back this was not like recently this was like before season eight was officially announced right he was he was kind of floating that idea and suddenly it's the same thing amel did around season five where he was like yeah i don't know like five seasons sounds pretty good and suddenly oh we got arrow season six seven and even a half eight so it's like, how much steven they, they're you not just tell dumb. us when to stop <laughs> they know if they release a statement saying they're thinking about leaving that suddenly it's just like oh the cash just arrives you know but yeah batwoman's a little bit different because it was only had one season and it didn't even get its full season so i think they like pulled right. out all the yeah. stops i mean saved their show just because they were like it didn't really get a fair shake i to that point though i, I think earlier on when creative as far as creative success all dc had was their cw shows then they kind of had to like we have to keep this going we have to keep this going or we really are going to be the laughing stocks out there but now that they're actually getting some hits with their movies and they've got you know successful shows on other streaming services and so forth i think they're going to be more ready to let things go it could uh, be it could yeah. be i mean i'm still convinced supergirl's ending even though melissa benoist hasn't officially said it is because she just wants to spend time with her kid you know right. and i think that that because people have been like oh cw how dare they cancel supergirls because she's a woman and i'm like i don't think no. so they've renewed it quite a few times it's because I they think picked it's up because she's she's done you know yeah, like it's I don't star think... girl they picked up star girl and they don't need two blondes yeah uh, <laughs> i don't think that's it either but anyway i think right. they kind of picked up this model wherein either within an existing show or through another show in the same franchise they set up a successor or a replacement so with arrow not by season five when that was being floated but by the time it was actually ending they had a successor he had a daughter she had a story she had a backdoor pilot they could have made that show had they wanted to mm -hmm. right now with flash we see multiple successors they are trying their best to make sure that grant gustin yeah. is replaceable if or when he leaves whether they do so or not who knows but we know you've got Bart, you've got North. They they are attempting to. With Supergirl, we do have Stargirl. That's not a one-for-one -one replacement. You cannot swap those two out in a recipe, but maybe you could make a similar recipe. You know what I'm saying? Like right. They're trying, and I think that was learned behavior. But with Batwoman, they had absolutely no chance to even do that. There was right. no chance to set up a successor. There was no chance to wrap it up. We had one season. We were left high and dry, and I think, you know, there was a combination of factors. I, I get the sense that maybe it wasn't just latex because I hear there's replacements for latex floating out in the 21st century. I don't know, but <laughs> it just was an unfortunate situation. 
Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get the full story because before this, the story was, well, her back injury and she just didn't recover enough. And then right. it's like, yeah. you know, what is actually going on? Like, is this just a story she created to, to sound as like good as possible of this is why? Let, Every I mean, three knows. months, we're going to get a new a new explanation <laughs> apropos of nothing just gonna be like oh she suddenly contracted malaria oh she had the uh, court duty in another country um, stubbed her toe yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah as far as far as for me um i think i was the most negative about ruby rose in our season one uh <laughs> podcast because you know i get that she's tough but then her character is that she's tough and she's also tough and there's no nuance to that character at all. Like, it's just, she's she's tough, whether she's Kate or Batwoman or whatever. You know, like, I like Batman. And I like Batman because as Bruce Wayne, he's like playing the opposite character to himself. And he's this very like happy-go-lucky, you know, like I'm I'm yeah. just this like worthless person, you know, kind of thing. But that's the misdirection. And I just felt like I didn't get any like character really from Kate Kane. That's because she wasn't Batman. She was green. She was Arrow. She was Oliver Queen. <laughs> you know. Don't you start. Don't you start. Oliver has range too. Oliver, uh, season one, Oliver was broody, you know, make revenge. That's exactly that's who he was. It was the best uh, version of Arrow. So, so right off the bat, I'm going to say right off the bat, I, I loved Ryan as a character. I didn't always like what they were doing with her from a character standpoint, but like from, from a writing standpoint for her character, but I liked I like the actress. I felt like she was actually giving me range when there's the part in the season when she's like, hey, you know, we've got all this stuff and these resources. Maybe instead of just being Batwoman, like as my regular self, I should be doing stuff for the community. I'm like, <laughs> great, genuine, good person. That's lovely. That's wonderful. Like, you know, you're an awesome person. And, um, you know, I just... I, I really, really, you know, liked that. Now, you know, like, you know, like strip mall martial arts instructor becomes Batwoman without any special training. That part, I had a little bit more of a, you know, like, uh, you know, because Kate, that was the one thing we got from Kate. Like Kate had been training, like military training, training out in the Arctic when we first see her and all that kind of stuff that it's like, yeah, this, this woman, like she's been through like the ringer and like done everything she can to toughen herself. So like her becoming Batwoman was a little more plausible. Um, but if you just squint your eyes, because it's a comic book show and all that kind of stuff, like I didn't really have problems with with that aspect of it. But I, but I love Ryan. I think Ryan was a great character, great addition to the cast. They did have to pull some threads a little hard to like make her sort of fit in with the rest of the cast that had been built around. Okay, but that was a problem. Like, like you, there's no way around that problem, you know, with with the contractual issues, like like Cammy was talking about. You can't just fit ryan into a kate size hole you know so they had to there had to be some cracks um and, i mean they uh, even had to refurnish the suit to fit her you know she didn't well fit that the was the, suit, okay so. all right so i will say especially since my wife is a cosplayer and so i think about things like fabric and fit and stuff like that more than i should nowhere near as much as she does because she'll let that like ruin a show for her. Like like Warehouse 13 is ruined for her because every time they showed Victorian times, the costumes were wrong. And since that's like her primary, like she watches like YouTube tutorials on Victorian clothing. And so like, she's just like this show, how dare they do that? Like, this is so obvious to like research and like, why would they even do that? Like, anyway, 
anyway, <laughs> I don't get into that. But I was like, but, you know, because it took him a few episodes to redo the suit. And I'm like, there is no way that Ryan fits into a suit that was made for Kate. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's like that was tailored to Kate. Their body sizes are not the same. Okay, but like, it's latex. And maybe if it's like magic enough latex, it's just like super stretchy. Is it dwarven latex? Did we consider that? <laughs> <laughs> There's some Nethral Roman. <laughs> well, I mean, it is bulletproof, you know. Yeah, I wasn't going to go there, but you sparked the thought. And when you talked about the changing costume, that I was just like, for the first couple episodes, I was like, I'm sorry. Um, Ryan's, you know, get a little more, you know, to her. She's not fitting in case, you know, costume. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, that's 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 a, that's a petty nit. Um, you know what? If we're living in a universe where we are led to suspend disbelief and believe that Mr. John Diggle donned Oliver Queen's Arrow costume, <laughs> I feel like we can suspend disbelief here. Because I didn't uh, believe that then, but those those <laughs> one of these like, things see, is I not like. I thought that they made him his own green arrow. Should did, eventually, was it but there's oh okay. early on. Oh, they had that's him right. Season one. Yeah, yeah. He had to. He had to like be play as that one green so Oliver. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's the same like, issue. I was like, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have looked at Ramsey and you've looked at at, <laughs> at him, but like they are. David's way broader in the show. It's like way broader. Like right. there's no way. Oh, you can tell just easily, like just eyeballing them. Like, there's, yeah, he's, he's a much bigger guy. Well, you know, uh, Julia put on the Batwoman suit as well mm-hmm. in season one. So it, it's clearly adjustable. Yeah. yeah. But I think one Julia's figure is probably closer to Kate. Like, I haven't really compared too closely, but I think that she's probably closer to Kate. Uh, as, but. as a female, not an expert. I believe Julia and the Ruby Rose Batwoman are very similar in terms of body type, height, weight, proportions, etc. But it is a it is a, a pretty stark difference when we get over into Ryan's. It's a totally new perspective in a great way. But that's where even with you know the the spandex layers and all of that going on with your typical superhero suit, that's where you got to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit. I think there's also a height difference. I'll look that up real quick. I mean, I wouldn't know these things. I see people, not women. So you know. <laughs> That's so progressive. <laughs> the, the Zaz episode, which might have been the one where they redid the costume, I think, was the one where like Javicia really hit for me yeah. as as the yeah. character. Where I think like everything they had to. It was a couple of episodes of trying to work her into it and everything, but like Zaz is a creepy enough and awful enough character that like it also helps. I think to have like the strong female character like come in and beat him up just because of how like. Just, just awful he is, you know. So, um, I, I that that I remember being like the episode where I was like, okay, I'm digging this. I, I think I think the transition is going to work. That was probably the best episode of the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I wish they had hired the guy that played him in Gotham because he did it so well. Like, like feel whatever you want about Gotham as a show. The guy who played Zaz in Gotham was perfect to play Zaz. I mean, this guy wasn't bad, but I feel like the guy in Gotham was better um but uh but yeah so um uh uh let's talk about like some of the things that they did to like retool the show um 
you know, I already mentioned Julia leaving, and I'm guessing that is because she was a character who was kind of like, it was another old flame of Kate's, you know, kind of character, and they kind of felt like we don't need, you know, a bunch of these when we're, we're transitioning to a new person. Um, but uh, we also had um, 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 Kate's dad, who gets written out, and we had some other changes along that, you know, realm. So how do you guys feel about like the sort of transition of the show, you know, losing some characters, uh, adding in sort of the Sophia plots to sort of in an attempt to, I feel like kind of excuse Alice's actions a little bit to make it sort of a soap opera hypnosis slash amnesia. <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> i think i'm kind of telegraphing how i felt about it uh <laughs> like i said it's the writing it's not the actress um <laughs> james what, what do you think about like sort of the changes to the show um i mean i think they had to make some of the changes um just because again it's an awkward thing where it's just like how do we keep telling a story around characters central to one character that we no longer really have in our show until she sort of comes back. Um, I refer to this season. So I think the one thing uh, that was the takeaway, like season one is season one was very much like Kate Kane's story and her, her uh, sympathetic villain being her sister um, was a really interesting way to go. Uh, this season was really kind of, it just felt like half, it was always like half Batwoman story, half Alice story. Mm -hmm. um, and central to Alice being like, no, now I need to find my dead sister so I can kill her myself. Um, I kind of got really sick of that trope. <laughs> it's just like, I I mean, I get the upset that the character has, the fact that the way things ended in, in the first season and the fact that her she felt like completely abandoned, but it all just kind of goes away uh, by the end, right? We, we come back to that story of like her story of redemption is just a big continuous kind of line that we're working on. Um, I still love Alice as a character. Um, I think the actress who plays Alice is one of the best parts of the show um, and will probably continue to be one of the best parts of the show for me. Um, I just think she plays Alice very well. Um, I think, um, as as was kind of said, uh, the build around this character, um, I, I, I attribute how much I know of Ryan and how much she does martial arts to how much I know of myself and how much I do martial arts, which is not that much. I, I know like I'm a high blue belt in Taekwondo and I practice fencing, but I'm not regularly practicing either of those things. So if you put me in a suit and expected me to go out and fight crime today, I would not perform well, not at all. Um, so I, that was, I don't know. I had Again, I rooted myself too much in a reality situation looking at that. And I went, no, no, I, I, I think she'd get her ass kicked a whole lot more than she is right now. But again, I understand we don't want to spend a big season doing basically a training montage of her being an okay black belt at whatever martial arts she knows to an expert of all things martial arts. Diggle should have come in and been like Salmon Ladder. Yeah, <laughs> if you can do a salmon ladder, then you can be a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so Cammy has uh, Cammy has messaged us to let us know uh, that uh, Julia is one inch shorter and uh, a few pounds uh, lighter uh, than oh. than Kate. So I mean, yeah, it seems like they're fairly similar. Like feasibly could fit, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, anyone look up shoe size? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll get on that research next. I'm sure you know, I, I bet there's a, a website that knows that 100. <laughs> percent Um. But yeah, so it was, uh, so I, once I got past some of those gaps, um, I think Sophia is an interesting character. Um, I think the Desert Rose and the way that they tied, man. I hate to interrupt you, James, but I'm just going to say, I just want to put this out there while you're saying it. You know, I like Sophia a lot better the first time I met her when she was called Rachel Ghoul. I, I had a really hard, not just time, not just calling her Sephora, like the makeup company because i was just <laughs> like i feel like she's a better representation of that with the desert rose like, my, desert my league rose of assassins like i mean my <laughs> I know, my right? island cult whatever we're calling them <laughs> um yeah i i thought i thought she was an okay character um it was interesting to build that world um again at first it just kind of felt i don't know awkwardly placed in there um and then the logic points to like building to, you know, once once the desert rose crop is destroyed, and then there's the one which happens to be the flower that Ryan's adopted mom gave her, and it was the only thing she had. And I was just like, it's just like I get what you guys are doing, but you're making it like way too easy. Like, like I don't <laughs> even remember if they ever explained how Ryan's mom even had the flower. No. Like I'm like, how did she have the flower? So, I, I don't know if I just missed I it. I think I think I think it's subtly hinted because they mentioned the fact that uh what's his name? Alice's amnesiatic boyfriend. Ocean. Um Ocean. Um <laughs> I'm never I, gonna I forget have, that name. No. Um, <laughs> Because I, I happen to actually like Frank Ocean, and for some reason his name just reminds me of Frank Ocean, but I don't want to. It's a disassociation but thing. Not I'm a like, good way. no, I like Frank Ocean. <laughs> I don't really like you. Um, but no, so she, like, the, he, he at some point mentioned when he escaped, he brought a clipping with him. Mm -hmm. And so part of me, like, I think what I put together in my head is maybe, maybe mama so-and-so wasn't that great before she adopted ryan and maybe she like worked for him or something and somehow acquired this clipping uh, or a piece of the clipping and then that's how she came into having a plant of her own but never really told anybody what the hell it was um but maybe i just made that up in my own brain that's that's absolutely possible <laughs> Can we just talk about, though, the brilliance of naming the sky Ocean? Because, okay, we're familiar with the manic pixie dream girl stereotype, right? Where there's, mm -hmm. like, this girl who waltzes in and her name's, like, Sunflower AstraZeneca mm -hmm. and, like, changes the sky's <laughs> life and then, like, waltzes away or dies in a field, right? Like, that's basically Ocean, and it's such a manic pixie dream boyfriend name. Like, Ocean, <laughs> I just feel like he's literally the male swap of, like, Every every manic pixie dream girl we had to watch through like the years of 2005 through 2015. Yeah, well, and like I just I I had the hardest time with like understanding anything about their relationship. Like like at the point where she's just like, no, I have to save my sister, and then he's just like, you're right, you have to save your sister. All to like get further, and then just very effortlessly again why i had a problem with i'm sorry you can't 
you can't just snap the neck of Edward Nigma's daughter. I don't feel like it would be that easy. I just don't. But yeah, to just be like, you don't need your sister. You just need me. Like I just, I was like, this is so soap opery right now. Like can, I, I just don't. I'm not enjoying the way you're telling this. But soap opera. It's not like they had amnesia. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That that's your big deal from that because my big deal is the the hypnosis effect that can you know. Okay, fine. Like if you if you completely erase somebody's memories of a significant person in their life, would that have an effect on them? Sure. But I don't see why we needed it with. Alice slash Beth who had been abused for like 15 years of her life or whatever and was already like experiencing so much trauma that we had to give her that but then second of all that same hypnosis can also make some convince somebody that there's somebody else complete with memories of someone that they didn't even know yeah it's the Manchurian <laughs> candidate <laughs> like, you don't know. know her you don't know the details of her life but you're hypnotized to be her and then you're like oh yeah I know everything about her life like yeah I can just be her here's what they're trying to do they're okay so like when you're forcing somebody to suspend disbelief sometimes the approach like in a story that will be you know selected is well if we say it twice then it becomes true so like if we if we just do an amnesia plot the first time you may not stay with us sorry sucks for alice like you might not like her story but by the time we do it the second time you have to suspend disbelief because it has to seem realistic because you've already heard it all before but that's why like it ultimately had to lead to them wrapping up kate's story so someone kind of had to take one for the team and have the crappy story the first time around and Alice always gets gets the short end of the plot stick as a point of honor, though, because she can carry some really crappy storylines and still make those scenes engaging. Like in the hands of a lesser person, that would seem way worse. But with her, I'm sort of like, OK, I'll ignore what everybody's saying in this scene because you're kind of engaging to watch, you know? Yeah, it's now yeah, my part of my sure. my headcanon, though, that Ocean actually is a pixie and that, in fact, a lot yeah. of things <laughs> in the season actually make sense now that he was like putting some fairy dust on Alice to like make her a better person and stuff and like heal some of her mental trauma. And things. You know what? You're so welcome. You know, I don't want to like make a commentary on social media or whatever, but considering the fact that by all it was pretty much strongly implied that the person that they made kate believe she was was like a influencer all they had to do was sit her in front of a you know give her a phone and instagram and she probably could have they made her believe she was cersei you know within half an hour just showing her well probably a few hours because i'm sure it would take that long to scroll through it all but um maybe even a couple of days but i'm sure it's possible cersei probably cataloged everything in her life you know so then the brain would do the rest I'm just really glad they didn't show her actually like acting like an influencer of any kind. <laughs> like I was okay with that. You, you mean like what they did with um, Mary? Oh, Mary. Yeah. The first season where like I hated her for the first few episodes and then it's like, Oh, but she's a doctor with a clinic and everything. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like <laughs> I'm starting to like her more now that she actually has some substance to her. Oh, the ditzy influencer things all a cover. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I will not let you badmouth Mary on this bod podcast. In oh, any stop way, it. Shape, you form. said in the last one that you didn't like her at first either, and at you grew first, to like her. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's the first few episodes. She seemed like such a like vapid, like, you know, like just nothing person. And then it's just like just, she wants one person to love her. Just one person. Anyone. <laughs> Here's what I think they were doing with Mary like early on. Like we're talking season one, but honestly, it it is a little bit recurring, is despite Despite the fact that this is 
is a female led show that's supposed to like consistently pass the special test and it's lots of women and there's women villains and women antihero whatever there's still a little bit bit of this underlying mindset i see behind some of the writing where there's this feeling that there can only be one and so in order to make batwoman shine and batwoman be the hero anybody else that may have intellectual prowess or charisma or intrigue or in mary's case also ties to the the batwoman family they have to do something to kind of knock her down a peg and in this world having a woman like super focus on love or super be desperate or anything like that will kind of knock her down a peg and and show not just a weakness but kind of an unlikability because we as an audience are programmed to not like women who seem desperate on screen. That's not sexist though. Cause we are also programmed to not like guys who seem, who seem desperate on screen. Like that's pretty equal opportunity. So they do that just to make sure Mary does not steal the show when they're trying to get Batwoman off the, you know, runway. And we've spent two full seasons of trying to get Batwoman off the runway. Cause we had two of them. So we actually see in what is otherwise a pretty feminist show, a little bit of a, a moment here and there where for Mary, for Alice, for other women, they're kind of pulled back a bit. I, I think that's kind of what was happening with Julia as well, where they, there's there's this focus to try to create a spotlight around only one. Yeah, although if this is Alice being pulled back, I hate to see her untethered because Rachel Scarston is is a treasure and should be protected at all costs. Because oh my god, I love Alice so much. <laughs> she is she is phenomenal. Like she is my favorite thing about the show, and it's sad because the show is called Batwoman, but it's really and that's the thing that I've said. Like was the thing that that most helped the transition was the fact that. Alice is still part of the show. And even though they did have to do some convolutions to keep her as part of the show and keep her relevant without her sister being in the show for, for most of the season, like her performance is so good that you're watching just to see like just her mannerisms, the things she does, the things she says, it's just yeah. like, it's all really watchable. It is fun. You smile whenever she's there, even when she's horrible and killing people, mm. you're smiling. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I will have to say, I feel like season one, like, I feel like, like, purpose, the primary purpose of season one is, was to make Alice irredeemable. They said, no, this, she's the villain. She's going to be the villain. She's not coming back. We promise nothing can redeem her. Nothing. And season two is like, well, well maybe, you know. <laughs> well, and, and my thing was, all right, here's the thing. Here's the thing I'm, I'm going to say. This thing of if one person loves you, like if you can feel love for one person, that means you're redeemable is the weirdest concept. And for just everyone to accept that, that that's the one bar you have to get past to be a redeemable person is that you just have to be able to feel love for one person at least. Hey, Stalin loved his daughter. Oh, well, that's what I was about to say. Like lots of people like, like I don't think, I mean, like there have been lots of awful, horrible people in history and i mean, i guess you can argue well we never know if they could have been redeemed i guess that's true because if you control all circumstances of life maybe you could create a scenario but but i find that really weird because then everybody's redeemed because everybody loves at least one person right whether it's their mother their 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 father like some family member a friend something like even the worst people of history they all have like somebody that they love you know so yeah i don't I don't know why that became like a thing. Of all people, isn't Batman supposed to believe everyone's redeemable? That's why he doesn't kill. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, that is the point of the whole no yeah. killing rule is not like it's just some principle that we live by for no reason. It is the <laughs> yeah. idea that people can be rehabilitated. So, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, so Ryan um, thoughts on the, the sort of transition, you know, for, you know, and how the show had to change to accommodate uh, Ryan. I, I kind of think we've touched on most of it. Um, I feel like uh, it was just the reaction of all the other characters i will give them credit though for bringing in the recast in the back like they could have done it like and we mentioned that in the very beginning or earlier on where they got us to the point where we thought well it's not going to happen i was settled in and you know was of the belief that okay kate really is dead you know and then bam here she was they actually i will admit that i mean i was like 90 percent sure they actually had really killed her you know well, well the thing was though i couldn't reconcile why did they spend like eight or nine episodes on the search for kate if the takeaway was gonna be kate is dead like i was like this is so dumb and so weird well no because then they could have just had a body be found in the air like if if her charred remains with dna evidence were found in the plane that would have been it It would have been done kate's dead we don't need to worry about it anymore but instead they spent nine episodes having everybody look for kate and it was just like every possibility yeah i mean if, if they found her body immediately we would have thought it's not the real body you know <laughs> but they wouldn't have had to narratively force the show to go because those nine episodes were painful <laughs> it was like why are they putting us through this and it was to get alice to the point where she accepted kate's death now i get it it was Maybe. still painful to go through <laughs> that search for kate portion so. i would argue that possibly the first nine episodes were only painful because they weren't the first nine episodes of the show entirely i think if they were the first nine episodes of the show entirely drop a little bit of this whole like search for the previous batwoman thing and make it be a search for literally anything else and it, that was a pretty good kickoff but since we had just got up and running and it's coming in an unfortunate time that becomes painful without it actually being particularly bad content on a week-to-week basis no one episode to me was that bad it just couldn't be great because it hadn't picked up speed yeah. but episode four in particular the one with the the candy lady villain mm. that was one of the best villains of the week i have seen in all of dccw television and that's not necessarily praise for the heroes they did great the team was fine they were really trying there but it was you know we were all on the struggle bus trying to get speed again but the whole plot especially with it being a capsule episode where we only see this villain once was really excellently done there were some really shining moments it's just everything that comes through that is a critique is so valid but is related to the fact that they had to restart and we didn't want to restart i didn't want to restart you know yeah I, I mean i felt like like i did feel that like if they were going to kill kate make it really obvious make it really public and make it you know like do that and if they're not going to kill kate then don't then don't make it a search for like like what's the like i mean if you're not going to kill kate like don't tell us she's dead like i don't know it was like but how they did it they did kind of do all possibilities in a way that kind of at the end you look back and you're like okay i see what they were trying to do i see how it worked and so i feel better about it ultimately um 
Also, I just want to give a shout out here for the guy who played Mouse for coming back just to lay on the floor for a couple of episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, the check cleared. You know, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm guessing he lives in Vancouver, so they could just get him back even because of COVID. But it's like, <laughs> hey man, twenty bucks. Your, your, twenty bucks. Uh, your credit. Your credit to your work, man. Just come back and lay down. Um, but yeah, Cammy, uh anything anything uh, else you want to add about the transition and, and how you felt about like uh, like things that happened because they needed to change the character? You know, I I always want Alice better integrated into the story, and that simply wasn't possible for most of the season. But if I'm trying to think of a way to do that better, no, unless we could change some realities of what cast is available, unless I can retool some contracts and put together a suit that's not made of latex and, you know, have the dog uneat the homework or whatever the excuse is, there's nothing really I can do about that. I'm just happy we're past this. I hope we do yeah. not end up on the runway again. I really don't want to have to restart, you know, like let's, let's move on with what we have now. And, and it looks like that's what we're doing with Ryan. I'm sorry. I, when you said you wanted to integrate her in better with the cast, I just thought, Ryan, I'm also your sister. <laughs> <laughs> she's an orphan right so it should right. be like you're you're actually like a love child half sister thing <laughs> and, and over on the other side mary's like another sister <laughs> everybody's like did you hear that you all hear something and then it turns into batwoman slash charmed and there we go <laughs> All right, so so the one that I wanted to talk about, I mean, because yeah, I think we've we've kind of covered like the spectrum. The thing that I wanted to talk about, because it does kind of dovetail also into social justice, which is one of the things we've talked about with the series, is writing out the crows, you know, and and with that, writing out Commander K. They they've said like, uh, Do Gray Scott is not coming back next season. Um, you know, uh, I was kind of surprised it was that stark just because I feel like he does have a connection to Alice. And so it's not like you couldn't use him in a later season and have like his trial or whatever be part of a storyline. It doesn't have to be like he's in every episode. Uh, but yeah, and in fact, I was surprised they didn't even like, like Kate didn't even visit him in the finale. It's just like when they write him out, like the episode before the finale, it's just like he's done. And I'm like, man, Kate, that's cold. You didn't even visit him in the last episode before you left. Didn't she say she was going to? Well, she might have said she was going to, we didn't get a scene. Like, he wasn't there. You know, we didn't get a scene with that. So I was just like, man, that's cold. Um, but but getting more into less about Commander Kane and, and, and that part of it, but more about, like, the idea of using the crows as a proxy for the police, you know. Uh, and I'm just wondering how that, like, landed with you guys. Because it's like, to me, it's like it's a different thing because the crows are a private organization, and they're not like a taxpayer funded organization. And like you even saw people like protesters with signs saying defund the crows. And I was like, how does that like that's not you're trying to draw a, a like, you know, a relationship with the actual movement going on with defund the police. But it's like, but this is a private org. This is a security firm. This is not a public like they're not supposed to be like the defenders of the public at large and that are taxpayer funded so here's um, what doesn't make sense to me why do you need a stand-in for the police when you have police on the show like this right. is not set on an alien planet that doesn't have a police force and they call their police force the crows and this is just an analogy like you have a police force you don't have to you don't have to talk in metaphors if you want to talk about cop corruption like nothing stopped this show before from talking about social issues and frankly they've 
often done it in what I've considered to be like very much a heavy handed allegory. This was an opportunity to not have to do an allegory. You've got cops on your show. Talk, you know, talk about talk it. About cops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but to address your point, Nathan, I, I would say that in all likelihood, the city of Gotham is one of the Crow's customers, uh, one of their clients, because they've clearly got jurisdiction to arrest people on the street for committing crimes. That uh, yeah, I've always nothing, felt the Crow's yeah. are very poorly defined because I'm like, if they're a private security firm, how are they just like everywhere and arresting people everywhere? Yeah. It should be like in certain neighborhoods or whatever that like, you know, they've been paid to like protect or private whatever, property so. or yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. Be, yeah, arresting someone for breaking into a car unless maybe that car is one of their clients but even though they can't really even they could detain that person until the police came maybe but they can't arrest them they can't so yeah there's i i I will bet you that if you got down to the contract and the paperwork the city of gotham is probably their biggest employer or their biggest uh contractor or yeah Yeah, but i mean is that even legal to have a private firm do the work of the police like can a city do that Look at in it the like real world. I mean, I get it's DC world, so you can do I like mean, yeah, you can. But I don't know. It's a jurisdiction thing. I mean, look at it like university police. You go on any major, you know, campus university, they mm. have their own police force, even only, though they're inside a city. There's only one person who can answer this question. That's Harvey Dent. Harvey <laughs> <Dent>. <laughs> yeah. So, how did that land with you, James? I thought it was awkward since season one. Like it just, it's always felt weird to me. Just as you said, like we have effectively two police forces. Right. Cause sometimes the GCPD do show up in an episode. Oh, so yeah. it's still like, a, it's unclear where does one end and the other begin? Exactly. Well, and it's clear like in, in a lot of episodes where they, where both have interacted, like the crows are like, this is crow jurisdiction. And I'm like, at what point do the cops not have jurisdiction in Gotham? Like, that's concerning to me. If there's areas of Gotham, they just don't have any authority whatsoever. Because um, that tells me parts of Gotham are basically like in a military police state. And that's mm. not good either. Um, so, yeah, it was just always weird. It never made sense. And then, yeah, I, I was, I guess... Yeah, happy with the fact that like the crows are gone because a, I mean the crows have always been a source of problem um, since season one. Nobody likes them. Everybody hates them. They should go eat some worms, kind of thing. <laughs> and so it was, I I was happy to see that evolution of like a way of writing it out so the crows are just no longer a presence. Um, I agree with what Camion said, where it's. Man, you guys had a real opportunity to make a way bigger statement because your allegory is that the crows are the police, but the crows aren't the police because there are police. So, yeah, again, why didn't we just address it head on um, and, and take that angle of like, um, you know, police brutality and violence and things like that and make a statement about it? Um I've never been necessarily the biggest fan of Commander Kane. So the fact that he's the guy that has to take the fall to make it happen, I'm actually okay with. I'm like, yeah, you know, like we, because again, we have to find a way to move past character, like character bonds that just Mm -hmm. aren't going to be present in the show anymore. 
Um, so, well, yeah. I mean, I felt like because of his relationship with Sophie, because he's basically Sophie's dad. I mean, regardless of, of his actual, he's like we said last time, he's a better dad to Sophie than he is to his own children. And, you know, and I feel like that paternal relationship more between him and Sophie than everything, uh, than anything else. And so I, I don't know. I, I felt like because of that and because of the fact that Alice is now also locked up and everything, like they could have had something like still with him. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that like it's still he's Kate's dad and with Kate not being a main character anymore it's kind of it's season two you kill off the older character in season two or that's right, that's right. no <laughs> no because because um um you know uh uh, uh Moira died in season well two, no yeah. I'm talking about um Joe the Flash yeah Joe thank you <laughs> my god I don't know why I'm forgetting everybody's name Joe has not died even though I predicted in the first episode he's gonna tongue. be dead by the end of the season because I like him too much but <laughs> um but uh, but yeah for me like the the problem is that the crows were never well defined in the first place and i agree the crows are incredibly problematic and and their relationship to the city and their authority to just be able to go in anywhere and, and do whatever they want is problematic but it's not and it's not something that you can tie to the police because they're not the police the fact that they're a private organization makes it a completely different thing and yeah it's something that needed to be taken care of but it's like if they wanted to make a hard-hitting police story they either should have held it until after they'd gotten rid of the crows or or something else like that actually like tied in with the actual you know defund the police movements you know and to their credit they led up to it i mean if you're oh yeah getting towards luke but the whole they were arrested by gcpd um when for you know noise complaint that was the cops that wasn't the crows mm -hmm. um so i mean you know yeah no i i but anyway yeah <laughs> i i just felt like that didn't land like it should have landed and the whole thing with like i mean yeah it's great that sophie quit and everything but it's like like we never got a like what is sophie gonna do now kind of thing like how is she gonna make money and and do anything so i don't know i i don't it was just kind of like we just want to distance ourselves from this thing as much as possible get rid of commander kane sophie quits and and we'll get rid of the crows as an organization but like what is the next step like where do we transition from here what do we do and what do we do about the actual police as the girlfriend of a superhero or potential girlfriend of a superhero, she has the option of participating in the longstanding DCCW tradition of working at a coffee shop. Because <laughs> that will pay the same. Right. I hear that pays for a lovely penthouse apartment um, in most cities. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like Felicity and Iris both lucked out because Felicity married an actual like multimillionaire and Iris like like apparently Barry just inherited like everything Wells had, yeah. <laughs> even though he never like met the real Wells like he just got the Wells estate and so he can be independently wealthy too. So even though he works for the police, so. I mean, Sophie could land a job at Wayne Enterprises. You know, they could hire her for security. I mean, it's not as bad as, right. you know, uh, The Flash where everyone just Okay, okay. In, but, but yeah. who's running Wayne Enterprises right now? Like, who's actually running? The board. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, again, even though Wayne, like, looms large over this series, there's still a lot that was never explained, never defined. Like Kate could just move into his office. Nobody had a problem with it. 
The Batcave is apparently in the center of Gotham instead of at Wayne Manor. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's... <laughs> there's a car in there that no one knew about (laughs) we have to blow up this wall and then we got the batmobile oh there's a car and a driveway to get it out how did bruce ever get to it oh how did the contractors you know at least like in the movies like with the christian bale movies where they made it like these are like old like like things that we use like in the underground railroad to like hide slaves that were traveling at yeah. least that explained why there was already a hollowed out like area there while there was like an old tiny elevator all that kind of stuff but it's like yeah like i don't i don't know it's... i mean you know it's a little known fact batman had to kill the contractors i mean it's, <laughs> it's just a necessary <laughs> evil <you know? laughs> okay all right so um Let's talk about Luke this season, um, because Luke had actually like, you know, really, really good arc, I think. Um, and um, so, Kenny, uh, why don't we start with you on this one? Like, what did you think about Luke's arc this season? I thought it was really necessary because, again, we talked about uh, towards the top of this hour that the these shows are trying to set up replacements and successors for their heroes such that even when there's a hero that is the title character, Flash, there are other speedsters. Even when there is one green arrow, they eventually have a success. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And here, I think they learned their lesson quickly because now while he is the wingman, pun intended, he is somebody who could, let's say she's out for an episode, carry an episode on his back. Like Mm -hmm. that is something that is necessary for a show to continue when there are blips or when there are situations where, you know, in this environment, a lot of the actors want to try directing for an episode. Mm -hmm. That's very common. If she were to direct, she has to take a backseat in terms of performance. So you need somebody else to be able to kind of carry a main story line and he is somebody who now has as much history with the show as anybody on the show is going to have so he's there where he can carry the storyline as a hero now alice had that ability she just did not have the hero placement and is not going to have the hero placement so unless this becomes a show that's going to center around villains we really needed another strong hero he was a fabulous candidate they really built it up well they gave him some story growth which i know was difficult to do because they were also trying to fit in a lot of story growth for ryan throughout this season to try to catch up in a lot of ways, but they, they really prioritized that. That was also a really smart use of the cameo we had with John Diggle and being able to kind of further Luke's storyline and eventually becoming Batwing. So that I would say was one of the strongest examples of being able to push forward a story without being held back by the fact that suddenly you've got a different main lead and you're back to, you know, square one, you got to redo your entire project and it's due tomorrow, but they were also able to do this. So pretty proud of that little extra credit assignment. When my Jiminy Cricket speaks, you listen. So when John Diggle tells you something, (laughs) you listen to him. That's right. I always wanted to have like a little like like when Oliver's thinking like for there to be like a John Diggle on his shoulder like telling him like now Oliver what you're about to do is the dumbest thing that you've ever thought of doing before. You know, you, he man. actually told him that usually out out loud because he was actually with him. But when he wasn't there, he should have had like a little like 
Diggle like appear on his shoulder to like you know he was him. always somewhat in his shoulder on on his shoulder in the way it was shot because a lot of arrow was shot with Diggle in the foreground because he is very rarely in the same uh at the same distance from the camera as his other scene partners because as mentioned previously today he is much larger than them. <laughs> he is our Hulk. Um, That's right. Uh, so yeah, uh, Ryan, what do you think about Luke's arc? I thought it was, uh, well, important. I mean, you know, the first half of the season, he was kind of just the whole, no, Kate's alive. We're going to find her. We're going to, he was kind of just reacting to everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the second half of the season, um, I I feel like, I feel like the second half of the season was juggling a lot of balls, but they did it perfectly. They had the Alice storyline. They had everything going on with Luke and, and, you know, these important issues we're going to talk about. And then they also had black mask and everything. And and, and they managed to do it uh, phenomenally well to the point where it transitioned from one storyline to the other, to the other. And I didn't have that moment of, Oh, get back to the good stuff. Uh, When they were on Luke, I wanted them to stay with Luke. I felt that uh, credit to the actor and he's the one actor who's been in more episodes now than anyone else so um mm. you know it is kind of his show now um but credit to him I, I felt it i felt his pain i felt his his uh, I, his realization that hey sometimes you have to stand up you know because his, his journey here starts with no we're gonna talk it out we're gonna we're gonna comply we're gonna uh you know just get along and then he then he goes to the exact 180 degrees in the other direction and he's like no you know i'm gonna stand up i'm gonna do what's right i'm gonna fight and then you know that doesn't work out for him either so well and so ultimately he does what everyone does in that situation and he finds his brilliant genius father's you know iron man outfit <laughs> and um yeah so but i, 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 I want to know <laughs> I, I am sorry they haven't walked through the whole bat cave to like catalog what's in there yeah, an inventory would be nice i mean, right, yeah, got, I mean it's just like if i discovered the bat cave and there's like a hallway i'd be like hey what's, what's down, down here, here? Yeah. i just want to look and see what what all's there but i mean yeah. they didn't even look for a giant penny What's up with well, that? oh god! I keep telling my wife that is the thing I want to see is for them to go into the chamber and find the giant penny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, and James, what do you think about Luke's uh, arc? Yeah, uh, I really liked Luke's arc. Um, I think they've done a good job, uh, really, in addressing a lot of like issues uh, with Luke. Like, I mean, season one they did a really good job of things with the whole story about his dad's murder and how that impacted him. Um, and they, they had already spoken to a lot of like the black issues that um, black men and women face, um, you know, just for being black um, and, and all that. And they just, they, they continue to perpetuate and take that forward with Luke, I think in really good ways um, in examples that are very true to life um, because art, imitates life um and so i mean that whole situation with the crow where it's just like you know he he's like no no this guy's this guy's the car robber like i have a picture of him let me show you i mean we've heard that situation so many times in real life but uh, again a lot of people don't I think they don't connect the belief because they don't see it on the news. Um, you know, they only hear about it. They see a tabloid headline, but they don't really read the article. Um, so I think it's a good thing that like a show has that happen because people indulge in fantasy more than they do reality most of the time. And so seeing something in fantasy that is true to life, is just like, Oh wow, this is a serious issue. Yeah. Um, I think the way they walked his arc through how he handles that, 
is so good. Um, the fact that, you know, he has that conversation with Bruce and he's just like, it all feels so hopeless. Like we keep trying and we keep trying and we keep trying and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many bad guys we take down. It doesn't matter how many of them we put away. It doesn't matter what we do at the end of the day, they still come back. Innocent people still die. So what's the point? If I have to make the choice of spend the rest of my life torturing myself with that versus I die now and I spend an eternity with a person I love and care about, I would rather have that over anything else. It's it's the real world isn't worth it for me anymore. Um, man, anybody who's gone through major depression, like I, I suffer from clinical depression. I get it. It's just like, God, yeah, sometimes when it does, it feels so hopeless. And you're just like, I just want to give up. Um, so I love that they just they really cemented that in there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things go forward, because I don't think Luke's still 100 percent by any means. Um, you know, he's had his moment. You know, we saw him, you know, uh, find the Batwing suit and all that, which was great. Um, a little unexpected. I was like, oh, he found a suit. So he's going to fix the suit. I thought he was going to find some specs or something and then be like, I'm going to build this thing. Not the suit was there all the time. And I just needed to look for it. My dad actually immediately (laughs) knew exactly what my size was going to be when I was fully a grown and adult. And uh but yeah so made a myth roll again we've been over this <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah i thought i thought it was just very well perpetuated with his character and i will continue to be a big luke fox fan i think i think like alice he's one of the best parts of the series so far he's just his because there's nothing super about luke he is just kind of a normal guy but he's a really smart normal guy who has issues like anybody else a lot of people don't associate people with like a hyper intelligence level to having like a human struggle it's just like oh they're super smart so they must be good at everything and it's like still a human being still has real world issues and yeah bringing um you know diggle in to be like that guy which man seems like the trope for a lot of cw shows right now bringing diggle and it's just like Hey, things are bad and weird and unexplainable. Let's bring in Diggle and he'll make it better in a couple of episodes. <laughs> yeah, I- I've been wanting these Diggle uh, appearances to be more significant. But the fact of the matter is, if David Ramsey is like, hey, I want to show up on a show, they just pay the man to show yeah. up on the show. Yeah. I want to see Diggle, like, yeah, even if it's just for a scene or two. Even you if know, it makes yeah. no sense. Because <laughs> when you think of Diggle, you think underground casinos. Yeah. You yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just hanging out there. <laughs> well, and I love the fact, though, that, like, uh, again, like, he diggles his own journey and we've seen that happen and we've seen a lot of the struggles we have and it's always been clear diggle is a man with more knowledge than people probably give him credit for as far as just like that we're like real world situation survivability things like that and the fact that you know he's a black man he's having a conversation with a younger black man and going listen man i'm here to tell you this is a bad idea this doesn't go anywhere you want it to and i understand fully what you're upset about but this isn't the way to do it um just there was being... another interesting part of that i just want to i just want to put in here james is that 
Diggle's talking to him about being a soldier and about the trauma that goes with being a soldier. And you start to realize, because that actually recontextualizes a lot of the things we've seen when we see body cam footage and stuff like that, where like way too much, you know, force is being used that for some of these people who are, you know, targeted when they're either being falsely accused or just because the amount of force is not commensurate with like what they've done as a crime, you know, that it is kind of like being in a soldier and being in a combat situation and all of that. And that like, I think that's a sort of powerful message is that Diggle's able to like liken it to being, you know, having the firsthand knowledge of what it is truly like to be a soldier. And then saying like, this is like being in combat. And this is like a situation that can be as traumatic as that. And I really like that as sort of a, that, that worked better for me than defund the crows on a sign. <laughs> you know, so as think, far as like an allegory to the real world. It's why I think this Jiggle cameo was the most successful. This is the one that use the most history and mm. kind of character traits of Diggle to actually forward the story. Whereas, you know, you look at, for example, his presence on the flash and he's just there. They, they used him to make people feel better. He's there to say, okay, Barry, it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to continue to do this. Like pat you on the head. You're still good. And I'm like, Oh my God, can we, can we stop catering also. to Barry for two seconds here. It's not a feel good conversation. It's a useful conversation. It's not anything that's being torn down, but it, it is very valuable. And there's multiple layers of like the, the characteristics of both characters that make this an extremely compatible conversation. That even if you weren't going through, um, you know, David Ramsey, he has availability so he'll show up on these shows and it's like a series of appearances even if he wasn't uh, available for it if you were trying to think of who could have that conversation with luke john diggle would be top of the list regardless well and the best part about that is in the past when we see diggle have those meaningful conversations all of those other characters no matter what series it is they all know him like they all know him because they knew him through Oliver. And this is a situation where Luke Fox has no idea who he is. And he really knows, like he obviously knows more about Luke Fox than Luke knows he knows, but it's very much that situation of two strangers, two strangers with similar experiences, like commiserating and finding commonality to find help, you know, a younger generation find a solution to a problem the older generation has seen before. Um, I thought it was just, yeah, great. I love Luke Fox. Yeah, I, I'm in the same place because, I mean, Luke, I said in the first season, he's the character that I connected with the strongest right off the beginning. I usually like the person in the chair. I usually like like the sort of tech helper type character to the superhero anyway but um i really liked luke i really liked what he had to deal with with the issue with his father and finding out that they had found the wrong person with his father and everything else in the first season i felt like this was just continuing like the sort of strong storytelling uh with luke and usually you know typically, i mean we all made fun of jimmy last season we talked about supergirl and about guardian and all of that and the idea, like, I hate it that, that you know, the same effect Candy's been talking about setting up, like, the adjunct slash replacement type characters to all these characters. Because I always feel like, you know, you can give them support characters that don't also have to be superheroes. Like, they don't also have to be superheroes. I feel like this one works better than a lot of the ones that we've had before. Because, first of all, Ryan does not have superpowers. She is not Supergirl. 
the idea that supergirl needed like a buddy <laughs> you know to like be like let's let's be you know let me be your you know your guardian Cara, let me you know? follow you around on a motorcycle and like yeah. i'm super helpful guys like yeah you're all whole kryptonian but like wait for me i'm a big strong man on a motorcycle we like okay thank you so much i'm so glad you showed up couldn't have done it without you but you know so i think it i think it works on that level because bat woman and all the bat like stuff ever in comics tv whatever always tends to be more grounded than a lot of the other superhero stuff and so the idea that yeah like much you know like much like arrow with oliver having diggle as his you know person that went out with him from the very beginning to you know uh, batwoman having now batwing as someone that goes out with her it just makes sense because in the kinds of situations they're in with the with the skills that they have you do want to have somebody watching your back. You do want to have somebody out there with you just because you can be just overwhelmed when you don't have superpowers by just numbers, you know? And so having somebody else out there with you makes sense. So I felt like it worked better than it does. I think in a lot of the shows where the characters actually are superheroes and with superpowers, but also because I really like Luke and I like the journey that they're going through with Luke. And I mean, frankly like i find his arc and the stuff that's happened to him also more relatable just in the sense that i'm never gonna have a twin who was you know locked away for 10 to 15 years and turned into a psychopath with that hypnotism you know also or or you know like uh <laughs> You know, it's just like some of the some of the things that they come up with for motivations aren't always, you know, like relatable, even if the character is grounded and not having superpowers. But the stuff Luke's gone through, that stuff you can imagine, you can put yourself in that. Like, even if you're not a person of color, you can imagine what it would feel like to be in that situation. And so it's like, I get that. And I feel like that's a lot easier to like, you know, sort of relate to. And so so I think that that also makes it kind of like stronger in that way, too um but uh but yeah so uh oh i i it's not really related to luke but i will say the thing that it's kind of related to luke the mm -hmm. thing that they did in the show this season that probably ticked me off the most was they played god they've got this this desert rose in the bat cave they should have brought luke they should have saved luke through traditional medicine or something like that i felt like they, they mm -hmm. can they're playing god they're picking who lives and dies we've got this rose we can save anyone but we're only going to save our crew you know and that i don't know why but that rationally made me quite well, angry. i can get that i can get that but at the same time i think they wanted to put luke in a place where he wanted to die and and by like them just like forcing it on him with this magical cure that like made him live that forced him to live even though he's even willing himself to die that yeah. got him into the place where he was just going to be that person that diggle saw that was like i don't want i don't have anything to live for anymore so i'm gonna like go out doing you know doing Maybe. this you know but, but that still argues then how many people have died up to that point that they could have saved yeah. with the desert rose and they didn't yeah. believe me i am not a fan of the whole desert rose <laughs> our, our sort of like um, cheap equivalent uh, league of assassins or anything you know like our knockoff uh, we ordered league of assassins on wish.com <laughs> Every time Sophia mentioned Desert Rose, I kept expecting Sting to pop up and start singing. You know? I mean, I don't know. It only grows around Lazarus pits. I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> I just think it sounds so unfortunately like 
yet another celebrity makeup brand. And I, I, I wish we had focus group the name. Like I will help you find something that doesn't sound like a grown up Disney star released a blush line. Like let help me help you. I would Janice not be surprised if there actually is a makeup product called desert rose or a cologne <laughs> or perfume. I mean, right. sorry, perfume, something like desert rose, try desert rose, you know, yeah. immediately on clearance immediately. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like the perfect segue into black mask though. I mean, like, I loved him as a villain. I loved having this cosmetic mogul. You know, he was, every time he was on screen, I couldn't look away. His voice, everything, and his snide remarks. When he saw, when he said that, you know, uh, I don't remember who it was, maybe Ryan saying, oh, people might not buy your zit cream anymore. He's like, I don't know. It's a really good zit cream, you know? I, I mean, them. I felt like, all right, all right. So here's, I just, I want to put in my two cents before we start talking about this. So if the first thing, it was obvious to me from the very beginning who he was. And so yeah. the fact that they, they kept the reveal for so long felt kind of funny because they had this guy stand up like in front of the camera talking about how that like voice. the police are being disrespected <laughs> and, you know, we got to, you know, make Gotham great again or said something like that, you know, like, and it was pretty much like, yeah, that's Black Matt you know like that's that's the guy you know so it was pretty obvious but the second thing is when he showed up as black mask i was like finally finally like we're getting back away from this like weird like league of assassins hypnosis plot to something that feels like a batman villain the weird deranged gotham villains you know like that's what i want to see in this kind of show you know and so yeah sorry right please continue no, that's really all I had. So oh, I okay. He is a villain in the mode of Gotham, if any, yeah, uh, if there ever was. And and the, his voice, he was cast perfectly. Mm -hmm. And and even the fact, even his origin story. I mean, he went crazy because his daughter died in Arkham. You know, it it, it works perfect. You know, so yeah. I, he was probably my um, standout surprise favorite of the season. James, do you want to tell the class what you've just researched? <laughs> Desert Rose, it's a real perfume. It looks like garbage. <laughs> well, you're not going to get a promotion that way. You know, we're not going to say the 42 cast brought to you by Desert Rose. <laughs> okay, so yeah, James, what do you think about Black Mask? Oh, I kind of loved and hated it. Um, the problem with Black Mask is there's been there's been a lot of interpretations of Black Mask recently in a lot of Batman media so uh we see black mask show up in one of the latest batman games um i think it was arkham knight um like black mask makes an appearance there uh and then we see uh you know black mask showing up uh in the harley quinn movie uh with birds of prey um and so we've seen all these different interpretations and in some of them the mask is just that it's a mask that the character wears. And then in other interpretations, I know there's like, no, the mask was like somehow melted to his face and is now just permanently a part of his face. Um, I hated that mask. I thought it looked like garbage. I thought it looked like just a crummy Halloween mask. Somebody bought on Amazon. Um, so I, I but all I the masks, like his whole gang had masks that looked like Halloween party masks yeah. that they had bought on it. Yeah, it's just like, wow, is there just like a masks for bad guys are us like store or something you just got everything from? This was like the more high quality version that you bought for yourself, or yeah, I just I don't know. I I think as far as the character, it just I don't know. 
I there wasn't a lot that had built up uh, Black Mask as like a major villain to me to like show up suddenly. Like he was just kind of suddenly there, and then he suddenly you know had done this like brain manipulation because he felt like Batwoman had like killed his daughter, and it was just like, and it was all circumstantial. Like once you find out the whole story, it's like, oh no, she had been in prison and then when everybody broke out she got trampled to death so it's literally nobody's fault except obviously the people who trampled her to death so it just felt really far-reaching for the character's motivation for me on just about everything i was just like i just i don't get his revenge plot i don't get him i don't like his mask um i just i don't know i did not i did not care for this version of cyanus like cyanus and other versions way better villain but in this i just didn't feel like he was really that much of a threat i just i was like why there there were a number of opportunities alice could have gotten rid of him or any number of other people could have gotten rid of him and just nobody did like it was just like no we'll just we'll wait and see how that pans out and then it went poorly and then they went well we should have made better choices (laughs) yeah all right, um, Cami. What did you think about Black Mask? I'm so sorry. Like, I have thoughts about Black Mask, but I cannot stop staring at this ad for Desert Rose. <laughs> I just need you all to understand. Like, she's not in a desert. She's on a mountain, and it's really messing with me. Like, why is she not in a desert? It's featuring this woman and a for those listening along. You need to understand it's featuring a woman and what I can only describe as like an. Eng- engagement picture from 2012 red dress on what appears to be a mountain with mountains in the background and i just have so many questions but i do have thoughts about black masks so I'm we can put talk it in about the show that. notes <laughs> i'm gonna put the ad in the show notes thank you i feel everybody needs to experience this okay so for black mask i'm with you on this idea that this is a very batman-esque villain he feels kind of crazy he doesn't feel too op most of the time when it gets into things like motivation i can agree with that but i think with the time constraints that we had with plot here and we're just coming off of talking about how we're happy that they dedicated some of this pretty limited time to like luke's character growth and you know alice was not a part of a lot of this we really wish she was but at least you know she got her time with her manic pixie boyfriend and all that sort of stuff like had we really fleshed out the villains here, I think we would have been cutting a lot of valuable things that would have made a lot of our hero journeys not make sense. So I recognize that this is going to be an example of what I hope is the most underdeveloped villain that this show has as a big as a big bad villain. But it, this all goes back to, I don't think they could have done it. And had they really been able to create black mask as this fully realized character and give him flashbacks and a childhood motivation all of that i i feel like i'd i'd be sitting here asking questions about where is ryan and what is she doing Mm -hmm. or why isn't luke batwing or why was the story rushed or where is alice like something would have had to fall off the the writing table Yeah, I think that they relied a lot on the personal charisma of the actor to pull it off. And, you know, while he's no Rachel Scarsden, I think he's definitely, 
good at that. I mean, I think he does have some screen presence and I think sort of the joy that he's taking in what he's doing really helps to sell, you know, psycho, you know, psycho villain, but he's enjoying himself, which again, it's the same sort of thing that Alice is playing on different kind of performance, but it's that same kind of thing that just makes you like, kind of like watching, you know, what he's doing and listening to the things he's saying, just because he's kind of having fun doing it. Um, now uh let, let's talk about um cersei slash kate um you know because that's you know that's that's the other thing that comes out of that of having black mask is his desire to have his daughter back and brainwashing kate who's had her face horribly scarred um you know into believing that she is cersei and apparently changing her height and, and some other things too along the way which i don't know but we'll go with it we'll go with it so so yeah i mean what you guys think about because we kind of talked about that there was a recast but how do you think of how they incorporated it into the season and so and where they kind of left kate you know at the end of the season um james why don't you start us off on this i think they're like a lot of tv shows a lot of tv shows have had recast issues and some shows have handled it really well and it's gone over and just blown by i don't know if anybody is familiar with the show last man standing um it's a tim allen show they've had two actresses that they have had to replace and the show's done a great job of it it's never an easy feat because any new actor stepping into a role that's already been presented by another actor is stuck in this like a little bit of a shoehorn position because your job as an actor is to give an interpretation of the character that you think is your interpretation of that character. So in some way, you want to make the character your own. And it's really hard when you have to step into the shoes of somebody else who, in this case, Ruby Rose spent an entire season establishing this character. So we have this, uh, you know, this character who's, you know, this this very rebellious individual. You know, she's got all these tattoos. She went through military school, was kicked out of military school, just kind of has the bad girl vibe um, all the time. And then it's like, OK, so now we have to cast somebody who is going to try to be kind of that but not that because we've effectively erased her memories um so she has no idea who she used to be i think it was a creative way for the writers to eliminate that um ambiance i guess of the character that was established by ruby rose for a new actress to step into and make the character their own mm -hmm. um and so I do think that uh, the actress did a great job with what she was given. Um, I thought it was an interesting concept. I'm with you guys, as we discussed a little earlier. I don't know that I buy entirely into the whole like, oh, well, you see, we wiped out her memory by putting somebody else's memories who nobody here actually knew, except for Sionis. And even then, he didn't know every waking thought of his daughter. But, you know, um, it was really far reaching because that's just not how the human psyche works. Um, but I, I think it was the most comically creative way that they could, they, they could effectively make a, a red hood situation, if you will, which is mm. really what they kind of decided to do with Kate Kane's characters. They decided to really kind of play the red hood role and go, okay, this horrible, terrible, tragic thing has happened to her. Um, and now she's in a conflicting space and will probably be in a conflicting space in her own mind for a very long time. Um, 
so yeah, I didn't hate it. Um, I thought the actress did good. I thought with the physicality that she brought to the role, she did good. Um, yeah, it was definitely odd seeing what is a much taller version of Kate Kane. Um, I was like, somewhere in the burn injuries, did they have to like put in like heel implants or like replace your knee <laughs> they, joints? They, they like, had to like grab her out of the wreckage and her feet were stuck and it sort of stretched oh, her out. They, as yeah, they there we her. go. That makes sense. That that checks Science. out. Science. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought I thought honestly for what she brought to it, she did a good job. Um, because I mean, really, this season you had two actresses trying to play the role of one character in their own separate versions. You had one actress trying to take on the mantle of Batwoman mm. um, from what Ruby Rose represented, and then you have a whole other actress who's trying to play Ruby Rose's. Kate Kane um, from that angle. So I thought they both did well enough with what they had. And as said, I mean, it's either, either you make this a season that's like 42 episodes long, which is just two seasons in one. So we can explain everything and make it make sense, which is far too much, or you do the best with what you got. And I think that's what she did. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, and I should say, to be fair, because I didn't say this at the beginning, like COVID looms like in addition to losing their star, COVID looms large over this season, as with all the CW show seasons uh, this year. And so I know that that also like leads to some difficulties with you know not only getting actors but also how many actors you can have in play at any one time. It it lowered their episode count. You know they didn't have a twenty two episode season. You know, they had an 18 right. episode season. So again, like it affects, uh, so that's four episodes of, of where they could have had more story, more, uh, you know, explanation for why things are happening, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we, we should have put that in there, but, um, yeah. but yeah, Cammy, uh, what do you think about, um, you know, the recast for Kate? I mean, I thought it was necessary. I really just think where I have the fewest complaints has to do with the timing when they released her in the season, the length of time they had her in the season and how much screen time she had within the season. I think it, they really were very thoughtful about that. It, she did not pull focus early on. Had she pulled focus, I think it would have been, she would have got a lot more criticism. It would have been too soon after Ruby and everybody would be pointing out mannerism differences, you know, things like height or things like story plot holes that are um, inherent in anything like this. The length of time she had per episode from when she showed up through the end was really smart. She never was overshadowing another character. Almost every scene she had was just to further another character's growth. They really just had her be sort of a, a plot workhorse, if you will. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, since we lose her at the end, that makes a lot of sense. We had, you know, a, a paucity of time throughout for heroes to grow because we were starting at a huge deficit. You also mentioned the, the COVID context here. They, I guess, for the first half of the season, couldn't even have a lot of like close scenes. So like romantic scenes were out or anything that would have involved a lot of closeness between characters. So by the time we got to the end where she was just there to sort of close the loop and move everybody forward, they just did that and they were very intentional with it. I think the actress did a really good, thoughtful job about that as well. I think the way she played it, she was very generous in scenes in, you know, setting up an emotional moment in which another person can set up, can, can step into that and shine. You see that happen. And that is, there's, there's a, 
there's a kind of an acting generosity to that, that I think was really well done, but there's so many, you know, if we're to pick it apart, there are a lot of plot holes inherent in this. There's a lot of imperfections inherent in this. She is not Ruby Rose and that's very clear. And they had to kind of jump through some hoops to sort of explain it. And we still aren't necessarily necessarily in a place where we as an audience suspend disbelief. I don't think they really truly create that for us, but we did successfully move past it. Yeah, I, I am glad at the end that they mentioned that she's going to visit her friend in National City because through this whole season, I've been going, how is Kara not like coming by to just check on what's going on with her friend, her bestie? Like they established like a couple of different times that she and and Kate were just like besties go, what in the world happened to Kate? And oh, why didn't they contact Kara to be like, we've got this kryptonite poisoning, poisoning situation going on. Can you help us? Like, do you know anything? Like anything we can do with a human that's been kryptonite embedded in them? No, no, we're just not going to like capitalize on that. I realized they couldn't have them in together. Like they didn't want to mix the shows, but you could have easily had like a phone conversation or something where they're just like, we're calling Kara to, to see what we can figure out here. Um, if Barry can have a phone conversation with imaginary pregnant Iris. Surely <laughs> fake Batwoman can have a phone conversation with a moderately present Kara. Uh, right. So I was glad they at least mentioned that. Yeah. Remember they're supposed to be like besties now. So I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up on one of the episodes of Supergirl that still has to air um, to, to further that. Um, but, uh, but Ryan, what do you think about uh, the Kate recast? Uh, you, you know, um, my two main thoughts were one, uh, from just a strictly uh, behind the scenes standpoint, is brilliant because now they can, if there's any more talk about leaving the show or whatever, or anyone can be like, okay, go, we've we've got another Batwoman, we've already established her, we can bring her back, you know, or or conversely, Ruby Rose like, hey, I'd like to come back. Well, we've already got someone, so you know. You're gonna have to work with us. Um, we're gonna need a three-year contract, something like that, you know. So they've just got this kind of game piece in the background. I know that's not why they did it, but it just makes me chuckle. But from a strictly story point standpoint, um, I feel like it gave Wilder. I'm, I'm gonna say Wilder because yeah, sure, weird. yeah, <laughs> it was weird. But uh, I feel like it gave her a chance to step into batwoman as her own right i mean the entire first half of the season she was in kate's shadow she was always the replacement she was you know always she would never have been batwoman if nothing had happened to kate so this gave her the chance to stand up to kate you know eye to eye take her on and prove her own worth as batwoman going forward from this there should be no doubt that she is batwoman not just by necessity not just because of happenstance but because she earned it no, that's a really good point. And that is and that is why I think it's good that they did have Kate back and not just go with a she's dead, you know, kind of story. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I I compare this and I know that two of you don't watch Black Lightning, but James will know what I'm talking about, where they had to replace uh, China and McLean's character in Black Lightning this year. And in that sense, where they did a recast, the, the actress very clearly like studied China Ann McLean's performance 
and like really tried to embody that character as much as possible here it felt like a very very different performance it didn't feel like she was like really trying to copy ruby rose at all but then you consider the trauma of what she's gone through and everything else and i feel like they at least had a plausible reason for why kate might not feel like the same person anymore so i didn't i didn't feel that that was as much of a problem as it could have been if it was just a straight recast of all right this episode opens and now it's just a different person playing kate and it's like but but she doesn't act the same you know <laughs> like i'm not feeling the same things from her um so so i didn't feel that, that was that was problematic and i and again it's it's weird gotham comics logic of being able to mind wipe somebody and make them believe there's somebody else complete with memories and everything um so you know you just got to kind of squint at that but otherwise i did like the fact that it didn't that it didn't go easily that the villain persona was hard to get rid of and that allowed ryan to confront her and therefore assert herself more as i am batwoman you know when she was originally just willing to just give it back just like this is you i mean i'll go back to just being my regular self um so yeah i think that that i think that that really worked too um I know that we're, we haven't talked about several characters in any real depth, but I don't think we're going to have time to do that. The one thing that I really wanted to do before, I'm just going to open it up to just general shout outs. If there's anything that, that, um, that people want to mention that we haven't yet is obviously we're going back to the Batman well here, which I don't think is a, is a problem. Um, I actually think that's a good thing because when you've established that this is a Gotham where Batman has been a presence for many years, establishing more hooks and links to the Batman characters, the Batman villains, I think is actually a strength rather than a weakness. Obviously they wanted to sort of establish Kate and then Ryan as their own character before they started bringing those elements in. Um, but even if it's like a next generation of villains, like we've already had with, with Nygma's daughter, um, I think that that also works too, of you don't necessarily have to bring in the Joker, the Penguin, Catwoman, everybody else. You can bring in, you know, successor type characters who've either inherited mantles or are actually children of characters or things like that too, as well as older versions of those characters. You can do all of that. So my question is, do you agree that, you know, or, or do you think that this is a problem? Like they, they shouldn't really go to the Batman well and they should try to like distance themselves or, and also do you want them to bring Bruce back? I mean, obviously bringing Superman into Supergirl and then having his own show has been a strength that, that that is a decision that worked for them but uh do you feel like kate's mission should be successful in the fact that she actually brings bruce wayne back as batman so two twofold question here but they're kind of related um start us off cammy i initially hated the fact that superman was brought on to supergirl i was not a fan of the fact that there was going to be a Superman show. I wanted Supergirl to shine. And I thought they were bringing, you know, by having Superman on her, it was really distracting and, you know, setting up a situation where the audience is watching this show. And this would then apply to Batwoman as well, but just waiting for another hero to show up, which I felt like it's kind of, there's like this unfairness to it, but more importantly, that's just not, that's not entertaining to me. I don't want to sit and watch five seasons of a show waiting for a certain name to show up for two seconds in the finale. However, they definitely proved me wrong when it came to Superman. I still 
didn't like his presence on Supergirl. I, I felt like that was not beneficial, but the Superman and Lois show itself is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So if that is what they're doing, setting up for another um, Bat family sort of spinoff, whether it be with an incarnation of Batman or some other character related to him or some you know version of him, I would be, I wouldn't shut it down. I, I would kind of have to take a medium approach to it. I would feel very similar as how I felt at the beginning of this season where you're giving me a new Batwoman. I just was kind of liking the old one. Now I've got something new. I'm not convinced I'll like it. And I know that there's going to be a long setup time where you know we're, we're establishing this buy-in between me and the show. That would take some time if it was a Batman-led show or a Batman-led season or even a Batman-present season. Um, I'm not opposed, but this show's really on its last legs in terms of new setups they can do. I want to see some established progression of the existing characters before I bring in anybody new, even if that somebody new is Batman. Okay. James? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I'm i in for a Batwoman show. I'm not in for a Batman show. And that was kind of the mystery with Ruby Rose's Kate Kane was, would they ever find Batman? Um, the fact that at this point, <clears throat> Kate's basically established, you know, I'm going to go find Bruce and go figure out my life from here on because, well, this is a whole new bag of shiza that I don't know how to deal with, um, which I totally like understand and I like I I like this premise of kind of wrapping up the back and forth between Ryan and her and 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 Alice as far as their conflict um the fact that it's she's no longer pursuing that revenge against Alice it's like you know what you've done and you know the terrible things you've done you know what you how you have emotionally affected anybody you've ever come in contact with and you have to live with that that torture for yourself for the rest of your life like you have to figure that out for you um i like that so i think they've really set it up in a great way going forward for how this batwoman can be her own batwoman her own villains her own um methods etc um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's what needs to be established for this character, especially since this character, this version of the character doesn't exist in comic book land. So this is, you know, if if she does it well, this is how other spinoffs within the DC comics have actually taken off. There's a couple that have done so just through uh, new characters that have been introduced in these shows and things like that. So I, I really hope that that's the trend. Um I really like this actress and and I hope that she can make it land. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Like not original versions of old characters come back, you know, like the old version of the penguin or something, but as you said, kind of these replacement versions who have had the, the essentially taken up the torch. Um, you know, we saw that a little bit with this new like Bane that they established, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really interesting take to go away from, luchador guy who's like juiced up to no this is a guy who actually had a presence in like a military police system so he's not just like some rampaging nutbag like i mean there is that with the venom um uh 
stuff or whatever that that makes them like lose that control but at the same time it also opens up so many possibilities for a guy who's got like military tactical experience so like that makes him a very dangerous foe um you know for batwoman to have to deal with at any point so i think there's just a lot of really good things that we could see going forward um i don't know that i need bruce and if they did bring him back as said like if it was its own standalone series um either leading up to when bruce disappeared or even if it was like oh hey kate found him he shows up and he's like hey i'm found this is my office but you know what you guys do your own thing it's fine i'll go build a new cave um that would be fine too um but i think we really need ryan to just have ryan's time and be her own batwoman Hmm. all right and um ryan so I feel like the door is open here. They can do just about anything they want. Uh, I kind of like some sort of the idea of some sort of hybrid uh, way of introducing legacy villains and uh, new versions and so forth. I, I kind of feel I, I feel like they set up Riddler coming back. I don't think they ever mm-hmm. established what happened to him. I know they said Joker's dead supposedly. Um, right, but, but they I, said they were actually worried when when the daughter was murdered. Yes, that they were like, exactly. "You are gonna be dead now because you murdered his daughter." So yeah, exactly. it seems like he's still so, out in the world somewhere. Exactly. So I'm fine with them killing his daughter if that was deliberately as a setup to bring him back to make him maybe like a, a big baddie next season or something like that. I can totally see that happening. Um, and 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 at the same time they ended with you know poison ivy's vine going up along the coast Mm -hmm. so i can totally see maybe a new poison ivy finding that or or something along those lines and again the the that's the thing about batman villains with only a couple of exceptions they're kind of more of an idea than a person you know anyone can be you know uh poison ivy i all it takes is like you know uh an eco-terrorist basically and you've got a new poison ivy and so i i think that's not true of all, all of them obviously but i think with uh, her they could do that um fairly well um as far as bruce goes i actually like the guy they cast as bruce so i wouldn't mind seeing him return but i feel a couple of things i feel here are one we've got to have at least a season with no Kate, no Bruce, nothing. Unless maybe flashbacks, that's fine, obviously. But um, it needs to be, we need a season or two of just, you know, Ryan Wilder as Batwoman. We need Batwoman to stand on her own as Batwoman. Um, After that, if they want to do something with uh, Bruce, maybe bring him back or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. I feel like the series has to address that sooner or later it is batman he is one of the big three in dc so they can't just throw that out there and not do something with it eventually it might uh, maybe that's even how they end this series the other idea i have is uh, i feel like after crisis this should be possible but of all the series out there that um exist i would honestly like to see kate I, I i know it's way too soon to to have this happen but i wouldn't mind seeing kate show up maybe in season two of Superman and Lois and have Superman and Kate go find Bruce. Because if anyone has an existing history with Bruce, it's going to be Superman. It's not, it's not going to be Flash, obviously. It's not going to be, you know, anyone on Legends or whatever. So I would love to see that happen there, that unfold in Superman and Lois, not we, here. We know in the pre-crisis continuity, because Kara's even mentioned that, that Bruce knew Clark in the pre-crisis continuity. So in the after-merger they still might have had the same kind of relationship so yeah. yeah 
So that would be the way I would go with that. I would bring him back, sure, but do it in Superman and Lois. Or maybe that's the crossover, uh, you know, um, storyline for some year, next year or something, or two years from now. See, I was thinking that Kate runs into John Diggle and they go on a road trip together to find Bruce. <laughs> no, John's getting his own series on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, that's the rumor. I still have Let not seen anything it. substantial that he's going to be on that that Green Lantern show that on HBO Max. I have not seen anything substantial. I don't, yeah, I don't think he will, but let me believe it. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, I think if you had Kate show up on Superman and Lois and work with Superman to bring back Batman and that culminates in a crossover with Batwoman, you've done the impossible and actually created a crossover that makes sense that I care mm. to watch. Ta-da. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see what the what the landscape looks like next season. And, you know, I, I think COVID's still kind of looming large. And that's why they don't want to do crossovers is because they can't mix the crews, you know, and they can't like, you know, allow like people to, to be together and stuff. So like, yeah, it's a lot of the restrictions keep them from doing that. But yeah, I would prefer smaller crossovers between just two shows at a time to the Oh, let's do this epic all spanning thing that doesn't really make sense but because the fans love seeing everybody smushed together in one crossover we're gonna do it um it was fine in the beginning but it's it's gotten kind of silly i think yeah. um, see and i i don't appreciate the big crossovers oh. anymore i'm like it's just too much it's like way too much is happening on a screen where it's like you know it's like this season of the flash i'm like hey you could like call any one hero just any one of them to be like hey i've got this situation with a bunch of godspeeds um it's kind of a pain in the ass. little help maybe just a little the bit first thing i ask in all these shows that isn't the su a super show is why are you not picking up the phone and calling either kara or clark like yeah because then, like, then all it ever establishes it to me is that somehow Every single one of these heroes is all having their major villain problem at the exact same time, and they just never have any space of time to ask for help. Did they not set up like a shared Google calendar? Like, can they not stagger crunch? I don't know. That's the villains. They're just really organized. They're the ones doing it. Right. Here's the thing. The comics allow this stuff to happen without doing a full crossover. Like in the comics, you might have a character just pick up the phone and call another character. So you just need to film like one scene, like one quick 30 yeah. second scene with the character while they're doing their own show with them having the other side of the conversation. Like, and you, so you could like, so easily like create the feeling of the shared universe without actually having them have to interact and and it would also solve a lot of these plot problems that we have because like yeah maybe somebody does call Kara and she tells them look something's going down with Lex right now I can't be there physically but here's something else that you might try or do or some piece of technology or whatever like that she could give advice on or something like that and I would love that for them to have more of these just little links not big full-blown right. crossovers. Well, like, it's like every single one of them has one of those little like token things that Cisco made that will instantly take them to wherever yeah. somebody needs help and I'm like he's given everybody one of those nobody uses those well ever. they don't work like, post-crisis they already established that now they have to use the natch uh little smoke bombs but like only oh, the flash team has those <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Superman could have given them all the little clicky thing, but yeah, whatever. Well, they yeah, have, like, cell that, phones? Yeah. Like, are they, is there not like a group text? I don't understand. I just feel like somebody, somebody's calling Kara and she's like, guys, I'm so busy fighting Lux right now. She's on the beach, honeymoon with Lena Luther. Like they're having a great time. She's like, do you guys hear that in the background? It's like a lot of fighting. I really got to go. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right so yeah from my standpoint i think i'm kind of most similar to like ryan's point of view on this one is that i would like to see a mix as far as villains go of new villains with like existing because they already showed like the, the the like the gadgets falling down the river and floating yeah. down the river so somebody's gonna pick up penguin's umbrella or something or somebody's gonna find poison ivy's vine and all that's fine but like if they have the actual riddler in there i think that's perfectly fine too i'd like to see a mix of villains because yeah we don't want to have just bruce's entire rogues gallery to just show up up on ryan's show but having her fight a batman legacy character every once in a while i think is perfectly valid and in fact that also goes to show that like if she defeats a batman villain it's another thing of it's like she is a hero equal to batman we don't need batman as you know a character to show up and save the day you know and so that's kind of my feelings on that and i like that because i mean that's the thing dc does well i mean like like you know plenty of people have said it before dc does the legacy idea well or at least it did until the new 52 but like dc does the legacy idea really well of these are um mantles that pass down to successors and in this version it's not robin batwoman is the successor to batman and so that's fine well and they even kind of played on that with game master's daughter where right. it was just like there was this legacy character who he had he had tested her on everything she was supposed to be his replacement as were mm -hmm. and she like went against the grain and i thought that was a way interesting storyline because we do see it more commonly where it's just like yeah no it's like the legacy is like the child becomes the replacement villain at some point down the line. And this was one who was like, nah, I don't want any part of that. Um, and I thought that was really great. Yeah. So, so I think, I think again, leaning into the legacy, I think now that we've sort of established the character is fine. But like I said, that means that if she can defeat the villains that Batman had or villains using those same tropes, we don't really need Bruce. And so this is where I come to the idea of, can it work? Sure. And like, like we've already said, Clark and Superman was a great addition to the Arrowverse. Um, and, and they did, I feel like, work fairly hard when he did show up on Supergirl to not have him overshadow Kara, to even say like she is stronger than he is. So it's not like he's there to be the strong man that saves you know his his weaker cousin you know kind of thing um but it's it's really difficult for a couple reasons one luke when luke thought he was dying luke is convinced that bruce is also dead because he saw bruce in his sort of hallucination of the afterlife right why is luke so convinced that bruce is dead we've never gotten the story of how bruce left and what luke thinks has happened we need to have that story and we need to have like a plausible reason for why bruce is actually alive but luke thinks that he is dead um two um, we have to really explain, well, why has Bruce been gone all this time? And it's better be a really good reason, because if it's not, 
then we set up a whole problem of why do we want Bruce back? Because, you know, he just left everybody like in a bad situation. And then, you know, three, we've got the issue of how do we have Bruce and how do we juggle Bruce when we already have Batwoman as sort of the star of the character. And four, I disagree with you, Ryan. I think the actor that they cast is a fine Bruce Wayne. Batman does not have the physicality to be Batman. Okay. Like I do not buy it looking at that Anyone guy. Anyone could be in this suit. Anyone could be. You think Tyler Hochin is really filling out that Superman suit? You know? <laughs> but he gives like when he's wearing normal clothes, he looks like a strong guy. Like he looks like he could fit in that <laughs> Superman suit. I know the actual actor. You know, I know that's a muscle suit. The same way Kara's is a muscle suit that, like, yeah. you know, creates fake, you know, definition. It's doable. Um, but yeah, he's no, that guy, like, I, I, I think that's like jaw. a George Clooney casting where it's like he's fine as Bruce Wayne, but he does not fine as Batman. Okay, <laughs> like, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, and so yeah, when he was just like, oh yeah, this is sort of our fake Bruce to throw at, and we never needs to suit up as Batman. It's fine. Um, so again, yeah, I'm kind of worried about have, bringing him back and having him suit up i think he's gonna look ridiculous but you know we'll we'll see um but, all right um final like there's final thoughts final shout outs you know like if there's something that we didn't bring up today either an episode character or whatever you know that you want to bring up and uh and yeah like anything you want to see out of season three that we haven't mentioned you know this is your time to do that so let's start with you this time ryan uh, well, season three just needs to be it needs to hit the ground running. I mean, we've had two season one now, two seasons one, so it's just time to just now really officially have a season two and get into it. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing like the aftermath of the disbanding of the crows effective immediately. You can't really just do that. There are going to be consequences to, to hey, you know, half of Gotham's being policed by this one force, and now they're gone. I mean, like overnight, there's something's got to come of that. So I would would like to see that just from a practical effect. Um, and otherwise, the only other thing I absolutely positively want from this series is for them to give Mary a puppy. That's that's all. Just I would just want Mary to be happy. Just give her a puppy. You know, uh, she's lost her. Now she's she's lost both her sisters. Now she's lost her dad, her mom. Give her a puppy. You know, that's it. <laughs> okay. All right, James. Um, first off, uh, it's really menial, but I would really like to know what kind of scissor technology uh, Kate was using to just suddenly cut through the bat suit. <laughs> Kryptonite. Like it was the impenetrable no bat suit that only Kryptonite can uh, can can. I was can like, penetrate. I know. I was like, hey, I need to know what that technology is. I need those scissors. It's the same technology that comes up with burn cream that can, you know, <laughs> take My care name's Sionis, and I have a cosmetic company that's got a burn cream that makes you look like yourself again. Just like, I wait, was having clay face totally flashbacks. Stars? I need <laughs> this. You just like completely um, just like remake yourself with this stuff. Right? No, but I, uh, I I'm, I'm with Ryan. I think, I think that was my concern coming into this is I was just like, we're effectively getting another season one of a show, which is always hard because the first season of any show is always trying to find its feet and find where it belongs, like what its tone and its pacing is going to be. I think the latter half of the season definitely found that. Um, I think they've established 
you know, Ryan, I want to see her become an even better Batwoman because they did definitely have moments where they established that she is not as martially trained as Kate was. And so even at her most experience, she was still <laughs> like having issues. Um, you know, so I would like to see, I don't know, maybe a small training montage <laughs> at some point where she's like beefed up her skills since, you know, season two and she's becoming more effective. And yeah, like a deadfall of just different villains. Um, even if it's like a new villain of the week or new villain every couple of weeks or whatever the case, I really want to see them establish um, a lot more going forward for her um, to, again, just establish and cement this as like, this is our definitive Batwoman, um, regardless of whether or not, you know, it, it excels or doesn't like, I just, I think it needs that. Um, I don't want, I like Alice and I'd love to see what else they do with Alice, but I don't want to see Alice as a huge, huge focus of the show as a villain anymore. Um, I think we've we've kind of breathed that out and either she starts becoming a better person and somehow goes from villain to anti-hero or like slight hero, maybe. Um, but I really want to see them just explore something else. Like I'm I'm just kind of done with the Kane family now. Like let's let's see what just this Batwoman does. She can feel love, so she'll be a better person now, James. Yeah, no, absolutely. She'll find a new brainwashed boyfriend. I, I'm sorry, when you brought up training montage, I just had this image of, you know, well, Arrow taught us that all you need is two sticks and a partner, and you just need to, like, you know, that's, that's true. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be, like, a tech nerd like Curtis, and you'll just become a warrior before two yeah. long, So Or they just drop her off on an island for a little while. She'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how it works for everybody. You put them in a remote area of the world where everything can kill them. And magically, if they survive, they're the best trained combatants on the planet. She just like season three opens with her waking up in an airplane and Diggle's piloting it. And he's like, Luke asked, Luke told me you need some help. And then he just like pushes her out at the VMU. <laughs> well, to the we'll, desert. We'll be back in five years. <laughs> shooting down. <laughs> oh man all right so um cammy uh final thoughts on uh, of the season i really would love to see more layers in the types of villains they're able to bring in i definitely see that as a downside to this season that was what they chose to have fall by the wayside on the completely other side of the spectrum I would love to see a really good romance for this new Batwoman. I think that that is part of catching up. That is part of being sort of, you know, we referenced soap operas earlier um, jokingly, but like comics are very heavily soap operas in so many ways. There is cheesy romance that people are fighting for. And that's kind of one of the things that gets us to care about these characters in otherwise unbelievable situations. So I would really like to see that for her, especially since in the introduction I mentioned of, of season two, they weren't able to do really any romantic scenes um, because of COVID. They were filming earlier than the rest of the DCCW shows. So that's something I think would that could be added here that would add some uniqueness uh, to Ryan's story. Even while she remains a Batwoman, she can kind of have a, a unique uh, love story as well, particularly because what she's going to go into is going to be a, a dark family story as she's trying to find 
her mother and there's going to be a lot of trauma and stuff attached to that I, I would like to see some bright spots here some humor as well would be really nice and in this show it cannot be all serious all the time so and it's kind of on my wish list right now yeah no i i agree i think a little humor would go a long way and a little humor this doesn't need to be like don't switch it to like legends of tomorrow <laughs> like the season one shift to what legends of tomorrow is now it's like such a and huge... don't turn one character into like just the source of joke lines like that's never funny mm -hmm. they're just like when you're trying to do it i'm not gonna laugh like it, it needs to be like genuinely kind of a, a lightheartedness or a comedic situation that can kind of bring levity to the show without it being like, oh, here's this one quirky nerd who says like quirky nerd things sometimes. Isn't that funny, guys? Like they wore a Big Bang Theory t-shirt. Isn't that funny? Like, no. <laughs> Man, the Cisco hate is strong. <laughs> I love Cisco, but oh my goodness. They have this tendency to create these super one-dimensional characters when they're trying to do comedy and I'm begging them to hire a comedy writer if they're trying to be funny because like some of what this universe thinks is funny just isn't that is very interesting I wish we had had you around when when we were talking about Arrow because now I have a lot of questions oh uh, because I know you're a Felicity <laughs> fan and I feel like that was a lot of Felicity <laughs> but, um, uh, so um uh yeah so for me um as far as like what i'd like to see going forward is kind of like what we talked about um you know before as far as i definitely want ryan to stand on her own feet that doesn't mean she can't fight some old batman villains i don't i don't really want that but the problem is i don't know how they're going to pay off kate's journey without bringing bruce back and they're probably going to have kate as at least like in a few episodes next season and so it's like again i'm not sure what they're going to do with that so i'm a little worried about it i don't feel like they need to bring bruce back and i don't really want them to bring bruce back uh definitely establish luke a little bit better i'm sure that's coming um and yeah just with the remaining characters like figure out how they fit in because like sophie for someone is unmoored um, because like who is she now like what is she going to do whatever it's like yeah you're going to need to recontextualize her as not a crow not sort of the surrogate daughter to kate's father um or any of that kind of stuff so who is she like what is her relationship going to be how does that going to work and if you're going to keep using alice again how do you fit her into the new way of doing things you know and and what the new season is going to bring so i love alice i'd love to see more alice but don't just use her like one of the, like one of like the mistakes that for instance fox did with the x-men license was magneto being in every movie i love magneto magneto's great great villain great potential there with what x-men are when you put him in every movie, you like water him down so much. And then it's like, you don't, you know, he doesn't, the effect isn't there anymore. Same thing with Alice. If Alice is not either going through some sort of arc that's like important to her or going to be the villain anymore, which I don't think she is, don't put her in just to put her in. I think that her presence will have a lot more impact if you use her just when she can be effective and i hate to say that and i hope that doesn't mean that like rachel scarston like they lose her or whatever you know so again there might be some considerations there if we have to put her in every episode or she's going to jump to another show um but uh you know that's that's the thing they got to really work on that because this show is still transitioning and i don't think it's completely arrived um ryan has arrived 
Ryan is who she needs to be, but I think they still need to sort of figure out the context of the character and do more with the behind the scenes, like what their civilian identities are doing because they brought that up and they did a little bit with it this season. Again, they didn't have a lot of episodes to work with. Um, but again, like, yeah, you know, community center, it's great. They're establishing that, but it's like, that's the thing. You're trying to be altruistic and great people in your everyday lives. Mary's already there running a clinic in her, the rest of her time. What is Ryan doing, you know, with the rest of her time when she's not tending bar and being that way, but that sounds kind of stupid. Like She's already got a pretty full schedule. What is Sophie doing? Maybe that's going to be Sophie's thing is she's going to be working more with the community centers and stuff. How is she going to support herself and all that? So anyway, I, I want to get more into that kind of stuff, like like really like go with the civilian identities also and, and make their stories as interesting as whatever they do with whatever supervillains they're fighting. Yeah, I mean, I think it touches back to something like we see in Superman and Lois, where it's, you have to step back and ask yourself what makes a hero interesting outside of being a hero. And like, we know what makes a bat person a bat person. Like they have a cadre of gadgets. They're good at solving a mystery. You know, they look at the evidence. They use unorthodox methods. Like we know that's everything that they do. But how are they really like giving back to the community? Because that is kind of the question is like, how are you a he either how are you a hero outside of your suit or what's life like for a hero? Like just the mundane part of it. And Superman and Lois has done a great job of that, where it's just like really the show while we have these super moments is really more about like Clark's failures as a father and facing that and being like, man, I want to be a good dad, but how am I supposed to be a good dad when I'm supposed to be the best superhero and save the world too? How do I find that work-life balance? Um, and so, yeah, I like that trope. I think that's something that uh, they should definitely lean into a little bit going into a season three. I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I think especially because, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you get the impression that like when they're not being like superheroes, like in The Flash, like they're not, they're just... <laughs> they're just eating dinner watching yeah like TV. does anybody like, just have a day a off and they're just like you know what i did i got this giant plastic container of cheesy poofs and all i'm gonna do is eat cheesy poofs <laughs> and drink some mountain dew today that's my schedule i don't have to hero i don't have to do anything yeah. that's why they never show up in each other's shows because it's their day off you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah since they've already gone there with this show i think they should double down on it and really like explore that side of things um but yeah so i mean yeah i mean there's there's more we could talk about with this season but i think we've covered it pretty well um and so now let's just say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us so um let's start with you uh james yeah um so people can find me of course on twitter facebook instagram all that stuff at roman on the rocks um and that's r-o-m-a-n um so yeah uh i'm not really doing much new these days uh i would like to but you know life and being sick so yeah uh <laughs> but yeah look for me in those places and uh yeah you can always find any of the content i'm on there or look through many of the 42 casts because i'm a guest on multiple shows there so please listen to those for nathan too yeah and you'll always have whiskey james <laughs> always <laughs> all right Cammy, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you 
My name is Cammy. You'll find me closer to the vodka, but online you can find me at Cammy and Ray on Twitter. I also do weekly live streams on YouTube where I talk about the women who made TV great this week and the men who made it somewhat okay, sometimes terrible, you know, <laughs> never great though. It, it, it's always for the men. <laughs> Thanks for having me, by the way, Nathan. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No problem. It's always great having you on, Cammy. Uh, and Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, yeah. Well, I will never say goodbye to the internet. Uh, we are forever. Um, you can find me, I, I guess, on Twitter and Facebook uh, if I'm hanging around. I actually, uh, no promises, but I've got some free time coming up next month. So I've, I've kind of got some hopes. We'll see. I, we'll see. I could just die of exhaustion. But after that, I think I'm going to try and get some stuff done. Feel free to check out my website, geekstranger.com. Uh, it hasn't changed in going on two years now. But you never know. There could be a contest going. I could be having a lottery. Maybe I'm waiting for my millionth viewer. And that's that unlocks all the new content. So, <laughs> so it's so, so 999,000, like 500 more views. <laughs> That's optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with that. Sure. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, just tune into the 42 cast and, you know, I, I'm probably on an episode of two or two here. And um, maybe I'll be at DragonCon. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ryan, Cammy, James, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank Always you. To be Appreciate here. it. And that's it for Batwoman Season 2. We want to know what you thought of the episode. You can let us know in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to tweet to us at 42cast or to go to our Instagram at 42cast. You can also go to our website at 42cast.com and leave a review on any episode or leave feedback on any episode. Or you can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. With Apple Podcasts, your reviews help to promote the show because the more reviews we have, the more we'll show up on searches. So we'd appreciate if you would do that. The other thing I want to let you know about is the ESO Network Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash ESO Network. It's a way to help all the shows on the network. You can check out the different tiers, see what you get for those tiers. You get early episodes of some shows, exclusive episodes of some shows. You get a whole exclusive podcast just for the ESO Network. So if you have some funds that you would like to spare to help us out and you like one of the tiers, we would appreciate if you would contribute. I also want to plug my two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, which is where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to watch the episodes with us. I know it's kind of hard to find classic Who in the States, so we explain everything that you need to know. But definitely you'll get a little more out of it if you watch the episodes with us. So that's Time Streams. The other one is Legendary Forces where Juliet and I, plus Joe, Ashley, and Corinne, we're going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That means all the media that actually takes place in the Star Wars universe, not things like magazines or documentaries that talk about Star Wars and the making of Star Wars. So that's Legendary Forces. We're going through everything from the beginning. We're going to talk about how good it is, and then we're going to talk about how it informs sort of our understanding of Star Wars. So even, for instance, some things that happen in the early Star Wars comics, even though they're not considered canon anymore, some of those elements still show up later in media that is currently considered canon. So we talk about that. We talk about Star Wars, how it grows as a franchise. And so, like I say, that's Legendary Forces. Check that out if you're interested. 
In news for Beth and myself, um, we're still watching The Expanse, really enjoying The Expanse, really enjoying Continuum. We just saw Chaos Walking with Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Enjoyed that movie. It definitely has some plot holes, but it was a fun, just sort of nothing movie. I appreciated watching it, so, you know, I enjoyed myself, and so did Beth. In con news, we are still planning on going to Chicago TARDIS. C2E2, I think, is out at this point, and frankly, the guest list hasn't really inspired me at this point. That's the one thing that probably could tip my hand and change, make me change my mind, is if someone that I really, really want to see ends up on the guest list. But at this point, it probably have to be two or three people at least, so we'll see what happens with C2E2, but I don't think we're going. But I think that's it for this week. Join us back next week when Simu Liu will not be joining us, and until then, this is Nathan. Signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.